I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Podcast like it. Just podcast like it. Podcast like it's night. Hello and welcome to Podcast Like It's 1999, the podcast where we talk about the movies in 1999 from the belly of a swan here <laughs> in 2018. <laughs> I'm Kenny Nivar, one of your hosts. I'm Philisco. I guess it would be like a, a flaming swan at this point, right? Like, so it's a line from the movie. Right. <laughs> that you obviously... I didn't know or didn't remember. I remember the swan, obviously. Yes, I mean, the belly of, forget. I thought maybe the belly of a flaming swan. I did, <laughs> but ultimately I opted for the verbatim line that I mean it does it, it is an amazing moment in the movie an amazing moment in an amazing movie <laughs> I mean it is it is uh, followed with get up Becky we have to go to state oh and you've also completely skipped over the swan ate my baby which is <laughs> so good yeah, it's I mean this movie is fucking crazy so <laughs> we're doing drop dead we're gorgeous doing today, drop guys. dead gorgeous and Joining us is the man who chose Job Dead Gorgeous, Jarrett Weisselman. Hello. He is uh, a social media ambassador. No, I don't know. Just I work in social media. I I know. I know. He literally said to me, just say I do social media. I'm like, I'm going to make a title for you instead. (laughs) Um, At Netflix. Yes. And uh, formerly uh, Formerly BuzzFeed. BuzzFeed, And he's a big fan of this movie. As am I. <laughs> I'm also just a big fan of Jared. On I just want to say oh, on Twitter, he's one you. of my favorite yes. people on Twitter. Thank you so much. You are tremendous. The oft retweeted Jared Weisselman's. You, you know that's how I got where I am. <laughs> so, <laughs> so before we do this, we generally like to talk about your biographical information. Yeah. But, be- yeah. but first, I'd like to thank you. 
for exposing Kenny to this movie. I swear to God, this is my this is my quick thing about this movie yeah, okay. that I just wanted to get out there. Job Dead Gorgeous. Occasionally, you'll hear people say, "You know that movie's good," yeah, right. or "You know that movie's great," or "I love that movie." And I always assumed that people were leveling it up, right, mm-hmm. because it is got maybe a little more transgressive, or maybe a little bit more satirical than a movie like you'd expect. This movie, I, th- I honest to God, I think it's a fucking Stone Cold masterpiece. Yes. I think it is a Stone Cold <laughs> I agree. I'm so excited to come in here have, two against one out of the no, gate. hold on a second. No, I I'm have, just kidding. I, 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 have, I have slight issues with it, but I was sure. blown yeah. the fuck away. This I mean, is, I, I have pretty is, minimal issues with it as well. I just, I, I think I was also, we had slightly different reactions insofar as that as as it was unfolding in front of me, I was more kind of dumbfounded yeah. mm-hmm. that that it exists. Well, there is a huge element of how did this movie actually get made? I mean, yeah. at no point in production, the studio yeah. stepped in and said, we're going to stop making this yeah. movie. So I understand what you're saying. And the fact that like the lines that it like, I'm, I'm sure you in the article that, that uh, your, your former peer, Lewis, Lewis Peitzman, yeah. Peitzman did for, for Buzzfeed talks about how like the original ending had Kirstie Alley hanging herself right. in the, in the jail. Right. Uh, they went with the much that more, was the line. Uh, they went with the much more uplifting mass shooting, <laughs> mass shooting. Um, <laughs> you know, so that was a great solve on that. Really good solve. But like that, know, to they, me, like that's the line in the sand. This movie crossed so many oh, lines. The hanging isn't really a line anymore. The hanging would have well, played just hanging would have played just fine today. What, yeah, it's but, super dark comedy, but at the same time, well, I mean, I, I when I was rewatching it for this, it had been. I don't know, like six days since I watched it last. <laughs> uh, no, it, it had actually been a minute. It had been a sure, minute. Sure. And I did have a lot of moments of this would literally be the biggest controversy if this movie came out right now. Oh, like yeah. there's so many moments like, yeah. when, I mean, th- when I even think about just the Melissa Manchester, don't cry out loud routine, routine yeah. being done by the anorexic yeah. girl pushed around by her nerd. Like you just couldn't get that oh, anywhere that, right now. That and that character in general but is incredible. Then like, so a lot of the stuff just hasn't aged well. Like sure. the, the Asian family hasn't aged well, but right. at the time I don't think anybody really batted an eyelash. That then the 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 anorexic girl don't oh. cry out loud pushed around by the nurse in that unbelievably god awful wig wig, wig. I mean they, as she it, as she like waves like can't the queen. even move her body the, like the, it's, oh, it's it's so, so all right let's 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 <laughs> press pause okay I'm sorry I'm rewind rewind yeah rewind I'm seeing that this weekend okay. what do you see in Chicago I'm seeing Hamilton what up I do not seen it before first time no I've seen it before taking my son oh nice pretty exciting. Um, but let's rewind. Yep. Yes. Uh, Jared, yes. where were you in 1999? I was a high school senior in 1999. Okay. So nice. this was like this year was sort of the perfect sweet spot for me when I was a, a high school senior. I had a job that I worked after school and all of my money as a 17 year old went to seeing movies. Sure. Mm-hmm. I, to this day, have a very inappropriate DVD collection that really began around 96, 98, when I was, had all of this expendable income. Uh, so, yeah. um, <laughs> from from sure. doing... From working at, oh, the perfectly named My Favorite Muffin. Okay. Uh, which <laughs> was, was a bakery? Yeah. Or? So this was basically what existed before Starbucks existed. So you uh, would go there in the morning, you could have a bagel, you could have a muffin, you could get a coffee and a frappa latte, because we then stole frappuccino and sure. turned it into our own Frapalate. thing. Yeah. Um, where uh, where yeah, was where? my favorite muffin? It was in well Randolph, New Jersey, where I'm from, which is 
as everybody from New Jersey will tell you, in relation to Manhattan, I was about an hour outside the city. You were south, or uh, yeah. west, south. I well, every uh, sure. I was an hour north. Okay, of Manhattan. Yeah, Westchester. Oh, right. Okay, so yes. in New Jersey. Yeah. So. Um, but yeah, and so that's where I was. And so it's interesting because like I look at um, your, our, our your, key your key art right here and it's like, this is my high school experience. <laughs> yeah. I can tell you who I saw 10 Things I Hate About You with. I can tell you who I saw The Matrix with, Fight Club, Talented Mr. Ripley, Blair Witch Project. And honestly, in some of these instances, I can tell you which theater at Cinema 10 in Sakasana I saw those movies wow. in. Wow. Which is like a dark secret about me. Like I have this weird retention, not only for like who I saw a movie with, but like what where? theater I saw it in. I'm I have a weird thing about where I sat in the theater. Oh, sure. See, I, yeah. I don't yeah. know that. Oh, well, I'm it's a, a perspective huge... of, of where you kind of took that movie in for the first time. I'm a, uh, okay. I'm a big that's, that's, that's seat. A... I don't want to say this, but like seat Nazi. Okay. Um, I have yeah. a, I, my biggest problem with the movies are everyone else who goes to see yeah, them with sure. me. Yeah, um, and so and not the strangers, my friends. <laughs> oh, a hundred percent. Everyone that I, you've I mean, seen the movie with. Well, I don't know if you guys like, but I pretty much saw almost all of these films for like a good seven year span, like alone if possible because oh, wow. other, okay. well, here's the thing as a, as a young person, a hundred percent. I'm so secure. Yeah. yeah. Well, here's the that's thing. It. So that's, that's ballsy. I mean, here's I mean, the thing. It, so when I, before I had my car, I would have my dad drop me off at the movies at like 10 AM and pick me up at 10 PM. And you would just <laughs> jump from movie to movie and see three or four in a day. Oh, and wow. the truth of the matter is, if you time it well, which I'm very good at timing it now, <laughs> you don't really end up talking to anybody because you should never yeah. speak in a movie. Yeah. And so what do you technically need another person there for? Nothing. To, to chew other their popcorn ch- in your ear? Other than to chat with them after the movie. Phil, so I have a question. That's fine. I mean, they'll see it eventually and I can catch up with them another time. <laughs> yes. This can is I? totally off topic. Uh-huh. Have we ever seen a movie together? No. Is that serious? I didn't think so either. No. I didn't I, think so either. Yeah. I don't know why that is. I think part of it has to do with the fact that you have a wife and kids. Well, so. I haven't always since I've known you. I've known you longer than I've known my wife. That's crazy. Yeah. I don't know why that is. I think it's... I. It occurred to me this weekend <laughs> that our, our relationship was forged over a series lunches. of 100,000 lunches. Yeah. That lasted an hour to two hours, just like yeah. this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, unless we're doing Star Wars, and yeah. we've never seen a movie together. I don't need to. I don't need to go. To the no, 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 no. I have no interest in that. But I think it, it is. It is interesting that you bring that up because I was, as you say it, I was just like, is that possible? I don't think we have. But I just speaking but that's of, just that's speaking just speaking of Jared's point. Yeah, I don't really. My, I don't. My I don't mind going to the movies. I by prefer myself. to go I, to movies alone. Hundred percent. It doesn't bother me, but I, I will say that. You know, going with a friend that you know. I mean, it's I mean, it's fine to do that, but great. I mean, like, it's not and my guys, favorite. Is there, is there a you specific... talk about the movie at the end? I don't yeah, want to talk it's about. Fine. It. Like, I know how I feel about this movie. I don't need to hear how you feel about That's, it. It is. I will say that. Sorry, I, not to invalidate no, this podcast. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> and that was podcast like it's nineteen ninety nine. I mean, we will I, never be doing this again. <laughs> I will say that there are times when I'll leave a movie. Like, for instance, it actually happened with me this Sunday. I went to see uh, "Will You Be My Neighbor." Okay. Uh, cried several times. Yeah, everyone should go and see it. Um, Typical. It's really okay. <laughs> anyway, um, and as I was leaving the theater, I thought to myself, and I saw it with it with a group of friends, and I was like, I don't really want to talk about this with right. them. And then inevitably, there was the conversation, and I was fine once we started. You talking just wanted about to it. talk to me about it. Yes, right, of course. Yeah, yeah right. I just, I just yes. on mic, <laughs> right? But. It, it is interesting. There are movies that you leave, you're like, I don't want to do yeah. a, a deep dive and, in this. And I mean, there are times you need to. I mean, I remember 
when we saw I, when I saw Mulholland Drive. I mean, my friends and I we left and we needed to talk about it for seven hours sure, as sure, we sure. got progressively mm-hmm. drunker. Yeah. But <laughs> that is the isolated experience in my book. I mean, if I ever truly become an extremely rich person, like exceptionally rich, you mean like when? like te- yes, you're yeah. absolutely right. When I when I become Ted Turner rich, yes, yes. I will just buy out the theater so I know no one else will be in there with me. Oh, wow. Yeah. You know, because very Howard Hughesian. Very yeah. Howard Hughesian. Per- yes, I will use the restroom, yes. though. There will be no bottle situation. Yeah. <laughs> well, but maybe just build your own theater then. No, in it's your no, because I actually still really enjoy an enormous theater, and that feels un- unrealistic. You will, <laughs> you will never get the popcorn right at home. I, I can't. That's no, true. of course not. That's interesting. Yeah, my high school diet, just popcorn and M&M's. Yeah. Is it a specific type of M&M's? Peanut or No, no, no. Plain in the popcorn mixed together. Wow. So you get them. You never know when you're going to get an M&M. You never know right. when you're going to get a burst of just chocolate. A, just a sweet and savory Yeah, experience. it's just a taste sensation. Yeah, that, that's definitely a question profilers <laughs> ask about serial killers. Do, do you mix them together? Is there <laughs> a specific area in the theater you, you need to sit in? I mean, because I know. I mean, it depends on the size of the theater. I don't want to get too granular right now, but um, <laughs> there's, a, there's an answer to this question. Yeah, of Clearly. course there is. We well, got we got the studio all night. All right, great. We so, pay by the podcast, right. not by the minute. So, so let me tell you, when you're in Sucker Cinema Cinema Theater One, this is where you sit. No. Um, <laughs> I think it depends when you have sort of a theater, which is like the main middle section and then mm-hmm. the aisles and the two on the side, you kind of just want to be like dead center in that middle section. Okay. And then when you have the one that's the, the two sides with the aisle in the middle, you want to be in the middle, but on the aisle. Sure. Yep. And then when you have the one and if there's ever an opportunity where there's like a level up and a bar, mm-hmm. you want to sit right behind that bar because then no one can be in, in front of your feet. Of you. up. Exactly. Feet up. All right. So yeah. I'm going to tell you guys what I've been doing lately and you're probably going to hate this because it's kind of a shitty move, but I fucking love <laughs> but it. But he loves it. He, yeah, I love smile it. On his I know, face right because now. I feel like I figured it out. Um, I mean, I obviously have movie pass. Okay. Like everybody just should have. It's I just don't have giving, one. I don't have I refuse. Giving away movies. Stop it. Nope. For now, until they show you know what you're show. actually yeah. gi- you know what you're actually giving away all of your credit card information and all of your personal information. <laughs> like I care. <laughs> Netflix has you that. can have it. I'd put it That's, out. Of- you know, it's <laughs> a good point. Uh, yeah, I act like I'm living off the grid somehow. Yeah, Thanks, Phil. That was or a terrible point. Yeah. Um, I sit in the last row. Okay. Oh God! So I can look at my phone. Oh, oh, you know what? That's fine. That doesn't bother me as long as you're doing it consciously, where it doesn't bother other yeah, people. I that's okay. Go to the back. But I will say, like, the rudest thing you can do is use that flashlight. I mean, and oh when I say, and by flashlight, yeah. I mean just yeah. the screen. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it, I got because it just occurred to me, like, but there are people peripherally that can see your well, screen. Well, not not a like. Not at like one a one p.m. Yeah. when okay. I'm going okay. to see like Black Panther, literally alone right. in Marina Del Rey. But um, but yeah, I, it, if it's like a real movie situation it. with my wife, I'll sit in a normal seat sure. and keep my phone in my pocket. I get that. What I used to do is I used to before you know you get the reserved seating when I yeah. when in New York and L.A. and I'm sure other places now. Uh, I used to sit in the back, but, but we wouldn't possibly. We I couldn't possibly. I could I just never lived there. I can't say. What could I say? Who knows? Uh, but I used to sit in the back of the theater until the lights went out, and I would assess where everyone else in the theater sat, and then I would strategically choose my seat based on other people, so I wouldn't be near them and hear them eating. Most likely. See, I have a similar. Uh, mastication issue? No, yes. I cannot yeah. deal with, it is the people, with people chewing. Uh, awful. Can't deal. I awful. got in a fight with an old couple once, Good. but I was the masticator. Oh. <laughs> when, I, when I saw... Okay. It, when I saw Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet, sure. I was... Which time? 
Uh, first. Yeah. <laughs> first of 97. Uh, <laughs> Me too. The best. I, I saw it several times. I think I was like going like ham on some popcorn. I must have been. I was so like into the movie. I wasn't focusing. And the person in front of me turned around and said, can you please shoot with your mouth closed? Wow. And that was literally the shaming I needed. <laughs> I deserved it. I you deserved it. Your popcorn dissolve. Yeah, I just did like a kernel covered my mouth, and then just like did one piece at a time. It took, oh. but you know what? That, that really is, stuck with you, though. That that scarred you a little bit. It is. What is this? Twenty two years later, and I still remember his face. I remember the anger in his face, and I was like, "This is, must have been going on for a very long time." Because he was He's doing that doing. building anger yeah, thing yeah, yeah. that happens where you do like the turn where you kind of think that you can see you making yeah. eye contact, but, but they, they can't. can't. And it got to the point where he had to say something. Great. Romeo and Juliet's great. So good. I love That's Romeo and Juliet, but I love this one movie of the best more. soundtracks. I swear to God, I love oh, yeah. this movie That's, more than Romeo and Juliet. Yes, no, I'm you're two in it right now. Uh, I, no, this is an Ed TV for movie for me. This wow. is an Ed TV. This this has. This Ed is, TV was a big. I, I, I assume you did not listen to the Ed TV episode, nor I, I have I, not. That's, to that that's specific fair. One. That's fair because uh, it is our lowest rated, one of our lowest rated episodes. Crazy because we literally shouted out every, every single time. episode. We give more love to Ed TV than we have any movie on. Maybe this. you guys talk about it so much, people think it's super popular, and so <laughs> yeah. they just kind of ignore <laughs> it. They're like, "I'm always hearing about Ed TV. I can't. I'll focus yeah. on." And he saw Ed TV back in '99 and hated it. I thought it sucked. Yeah. Hated it, and then he watched it recently, and it's. I mean. The biggest jump so far, I think. Yeah, Anywhere I, but here had a big jump for I, you, too. With, like, literally in the moment. <laughs> but I can't... Uh, it was a bit of a therapy I, session. I have, no, I, have, I have no early number, no, I don't no original number for this, but my expectation... My expectation sure. was to like it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My expectation was to like it about as much as I liked, say, 10 Things I Had About You. I really like. Um, why would you say that? Like a bad? Yeah. Okay. So you don't like ten things I hate about you. Uh, what I give it like, it a, what I give it like okay. fifty-six, something like that. Sixty. I liked it more than we we did yeah. our ten things I hate sure. about you right. episode, and it will have aired by the time this uh, this drops. We I think that I had not seen it back in '99. Okay. I don't believe you had ten either. things. Yeah. Oh, I've seen a hundred times. Okay. Well, I hadn't, and it had such esteem. People yeah. speak of it so highly that I expected it to be <clears throat> of a John Hughesian kind right. of level. And then I watched and I was like, it's good. You, I, I think there's an interesting thing that happens, and I'm sure, I know you guys have talked about this a little yeah. bit, but just when you see certain films in your life, it yeah. changes your totally. affection for them, obviously. And I think for people who were probably like around my year in high school, because I think 10 Things I Hate About You was actually like there was a graduation element almost like it felt very contemporary for me when I saw it. I think I'm one year older than you. Yeah. So it's exact same. And I think that changes things sure. like can't hardly wait came out the year I graduated high school. And so I have that affection for it in the sense, like I was going through the same thing Preston was going through, not with a girl, but you know what I mean? Like we had similar experiences and I mean, it's the same thing with Buffy. I know this is about movies, but yeah. like when you watch a show or a film and it resonates with something that's happening, you will always carry that affection for it no matter what happens and no matter how bad it actually is we also got i mean we are lucky with the year 1999 in a, in a myriad of ways but oh yeah there are so many great teen films that came out that's in an unexpected that's an unexpected bonus yeah. well, the spectrum this. of them we is what I'm, I'm the most kind of floored by even yeah, just recently we've watched just within the last you know couple weeks or whatever you know virgin suicides yep. drop dead gorgeous 10 things i hate about you i mean it's it's Jawbreaker, Jawbreaker. it's crazy, Dick. Like, right? And you're also watching Cruel Intentions for an upcoming podcast. Upcoming podcast. Um, Yeah, it's it's just it's a real breadth of 
very interesting sort of explorations of, and we're not seeing that anymore. Girl Interrupted's coming yeah, that's up. that's coming up. All these different kinds of explorations, certainly of, of yeah. girlhood. Right. Um, yeah. I, that's another thing that we're not seeing yeah. nearly. Well, first of all, we're not seeing enough teen movies in you general. You see one but. fucking, there's one, been one fucking movie about a teenage girl and it gets nominated for Best Picture because people are so starved for like Lady Perfect. I can't even imagine. Yeah. You know, I would pause it. Orbit here is also another one. And I've never yeah. really thought about this, and I have absolutely no data to back it up, so it's 100% true. Cool. But like, <laughs> that's I can just, actually how we do it on that's this podcast. That's how we so, do it. Anecdotally, I feel like, you know, our generation of teenagers was really the first time technology came into play. We had, you know the internet, we had cell phones and we were kind of becoming a huge consumer base. I think in a way that maybe teenagers hadn't been for a while. And so Hollywood was really creating a lot of content directly to it. And so I think when you talk about all of these teenage films, it's probably because teenagers were really showing up for movies at that time. I mean, when you think Mm -hmm. about like 96 to 2000, there are movies like the craft in there. There are huge films that had a huge cultural relevance. And it really was because of Teenagers had disposable income. They had these jobs. They could talk about them on the internet. They could talk about them with their friends in a different way. And I think maybe that's why you're seeing that a little bit here in this year specifically. Absolutely. I mean, I think we're, I mean, listen, we, we, there's any number of think pieces on why teenagers aren't going to the movies in the same way that they used to. And I think one of them has to do with the fact that we're just, we're franchised up to our eyeballs. So there just isn't anything special that makes them feel that's why when a ladybird does come out it's such a sort of lightning rod for all of this because everyone's like oh right we could do that and then no one learns any lessons and then, and they don't make a lot of these kids but, haven't seen a movie like that in their whole lives meanwhile like anywhere but here is almost exactly like that yeah. it's i mean it's, it's not as good <laughs> but it's it's not as good it's also kind of better um <laughs> It's, oh my god! No, it's it's not as good. It's not as it's, it's not. It's trying to do totally different. It's things. not as good, I but think. it does kind of make an argument that's a little more interesting to me. But um, and anywhere but here's a completely a com- completely yeah. ephemeral movie. Well, it's a mm-hmm. movie that, if we're being honest, kind of doesn't exist. Like it's not right. a movie that anyone's talking uh, about. Sure. Or I mean, it's it's funny because I I as I was looking at sort of the whole Natalie Portman of it all, and obviously we're going to get to Drop to Gorgeous in a moment. But what movie? <laughs> dropped a gorgeous, not familiar. Uh, Dairy Dare, Dairy Queen, dropped a gorgeous, dropped a gorgeous. Um, and I'm trying to get gorgeous. The Natalie to show Portman up. of it all is interesting. Just you know, so she obviously she does Star Wars, and then she does a bunch of movies for Fox, and mm-hmm. one of them is is anywhere but here. Then she does uh, Place in the Yep. Is it Place Places in the Heart? No, Some, no. That's the is Sally it, Field movie. What's the movie? I know what you're talking about. I'll it's find like it. I'll find it. In the Heart, something where the heart is. No, the heart. Mm, that sounds right. It does sound right. It's like she's living in a fucking mall, Walmart, in a Walmart yeah. or something like that, oh. and, her, and her mom's actually Judd, I think, or something. Well, it's too bad that's it's not it's 1999. I think it's, I it. she did that Seems one fun. when she was doing Attack of the Clones. Like for each right. Star Wars movie, oh, she did some sort there of. There was Fox a movie. very big like you know one for you, one sort of for me sort kind of, me, of mentality, guess, but like I don't even think she yeah. feels great about some of those. Where the heart is, where the heart is. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's like okay, so I don't have to use a blaster in this one, but I don't think that this movie is like. So it's just it is interesting how anywhere but here is just sort of a movie that doesn't really exist totally and, and weirdly this movie exists passionately to a subsect of people and yet 
doesn't exist. To, well, first of all, there's no fucking way to watch this movie. No, we I really, mean, we really should talk about the fact which that which is madness. I mean, it's really crazy. Guys, and I would love someone to explain that to me. I could not tell you, but I could tell you that I just watched the DVD that I bought in 2000. Like, I still yeah. have it. So, like, that's how I'm I had, currently I watching. Amoeba, drop, yeah, and I bought a DVD of it for twenty dollars. Which I I'm watched. amazed. Amoeba just had it in stock. Amoeba had it in stock. So. Good on them, but it's kind of clutch like that. It's just like you're like, I want to find this one random ass thing. Like, we have seven of them. You're like, great. But there's a couple movies like that, and I have a sneaking suspicion we're going to have this problem a little bit deeper. Right. I mean, Two Hundred Cigarettes is a movie that we'll be doing relatively soon with a with a very special guest. That's not available anywhere. Streaming. I think I have it on DVD. You probably. I actually do. feel like I might be a really good resource for you guys because this Would was you kind mind of it in? Yeah, I, mean, I went to Amoeba and I was like, "Do you guys have this? It's out of print." Sure. And they had a used out of print copy for thirty five dollars. Yeah. And I was like, "I simply refuse to spend thirty five dollars on a DVD of a movie that." I mean, listen, Under Cigarettes is good, but I'm pretty yeah. sure I don't need to spend that kind of money on. You're right. You can't find it on the internet. You got to buy <clears> it. it on you got to buy it on Amazon, right. and it's anyway. But it's just it's a weird thing, and I keep. I, I did find some information, and by that I mean there's a quote from the director yep. who says, "In this age of total accessibility of everything, you can't find, you can't, you can't Netflix this movie, you can't download it off iTunes." Said the film's director, uh, "There's a bare bones DVD now out of print, which can be purchased on Amazon.com for sixty dollars. Subsequently, someone has reprinted it. Warner right. Brothers smartly has done so, but and it's not sixty dollars. But that's a really weird thing in this day and age where." You should be able to find this. Well, and you know, it's anywhere. In, and I mean, I think that there might be something about the movie that kind of feels even more special because of it, where you can't just constantly discover yeah. it. And so when you talk to people about it, it's kind of one of those things where you're like, you really should watch it, but you're going to have to go seriously out of your way to you get gotta it. You got to earn it. It's yeah. like contraband. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. Yeah. It's yeah. like you can't just find it wherever you want. And I don't know if that adds to the allure or the mystique of it, or if that is just super inconvenient or both. I think cult movies, that's part of cult movies. Like back in the day, the John Waters movies, you had to go and see them at midnight. Exactly. And they were on like, you know, grimy, shitty prints. And that was part of it. Yeah. Um, Do you remember seeing this in the theater? Oh, yes. Do you remember the impact it had on you at the time? I saw it at, Okay, so I saw it at West Hanover Theaters, which is a couple towns over, Mm -hmm. naturally, uh, with Jamie Welliber, uh, my friend, who, like, in retrospect, maybe I was in love with him. I'm unclear. Um, (laughs) You're friends with him? No. No, it's fine, but I'll send him this. Um, (laughs) And I remember walking out and being like, that was really weird. Because what was funny was, I don't, I guess I don't remember how the movie was originally sort of like trailered or mar- trailered or marketed. It wasn't. Um, it's the short answer. Yeah. But it, I feel like what I did think was I was a huge Christopher Guest fan, right? And I loved Waiting for Guffman. Mm-hmm. This movie is better. I agree. <laughs> um, it is. You're both a little crazy. No, no, no and I, and I'll, I'll make the argument when we get okay, there. Okay, can't wait. I, but I think I saw sort of that like faux documentary thing, yeah, yeah. and I thought that's what this was, and in reality, it was so much better. Um, but I, I do remember it actually being a movie that I developed an affinity for through rewatching. Mm-hmm. Sure, like over and over because I can, I will not, uh, but I can honestly recite this movie from beginning to end with my eyes closed. It just, I don't know how I've developed that kind of sense memory for it, but that is just repetition in a way that is unhealthy. I'll say this too, and I I can't, this is one of those movies that sort of weirdly slipped into my subconscious, having not seen the film, Mm -hmm. just by osmosis, by sort of the, you know, the culture that I am a part of. But when 
And forgive me, I don't know the actress's name. When she's wheeled out on the stage. Alexandra Holton. Alexandra Holton, of course. Yeah, she was on Six Feet Under and she was amazing on Six Feet Under. She was also on TV. She was in it. She was in it. TV, you're right. Um, What a surprise. When she's wheeled out on the stage, I was like, oh, I know this. Right. And I don't know. Like, someone at some point in their lives had said to me that this scene was an amazing scene and they loved it. And, and, and I never saw the movie for obviously for a bunch of reasons. And then I was like, Oh, I feel like I've seen this mm-hmm. even though I haven't. And there are kind of moments like that. In this, it, that's how iconic this movie yeah. is in a weird way. I mean, well, I think what you're talking about also might be a symptom of Twitter culture because it is an extremely quoted and gift movie. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, so like, I think that may also be a Absolutely. way it's entered your vernacular. I mean, I can't even tell you how many times I've deployed on people lights, camera and me without a stitch of makeup on. Like yeah. it just, <laughs> it, it's, it, there are so many moments like that that are really applicable in a myriad of ways. And I think yeah. that may also be kind of what you're talking totally. about in terms of absorbing it without actually having seen it. It's, it is really interesting. The culture that we live in now where a movie like this can sort of be I mean, forgive me, but kind of nothing in its moment. Absolutely. And, and yet sort of got its hooks in enough people that now through technology and social media can become this, this, I mean, it's memed all over the place. People are talking about it and it's, it's just really interesting. I, I also think that the, the, the mockumentary style, if you will, as it was unfolding, I was like, oh man, like this movie in its moment was probably a little ahead of its, definitely ahead of its time. I mean, we've seen mockumentary now so So many times that it feels like this movie isn't fresh when I know that it is. Like I know in its moment, it must've been. It's interesting that you say that because I had recently rewatched the first Austin Powers movie. We just watched the second one. (laughs) And, and what's funny is because of the two sequels and because of how many movies copied that movie in Mm -hmm. like form and structure and content, Austin Powers really started to feel like uncool. Yeah. And when you actually go back and watch it, when you sort of remove it from all of those things, that is a fucking brilliant yeah. comedy. Oh, the first yeah. one's the, amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what happens sometimes is sort of just the general culturalization of these films and these sort of tropes make things that are extremely groundbreaking feel reductive when they're actually not. I couldn't agree with you more. And this, this is one of those films that at the time just obviously was not, people just didn't get it. Sure. I mean, I, I am a little people, bit shocked. People were never going to get this movie. <laughs> it's true. Really? Well, yeah. Like what movie, what movie like this has ever been in successful? This moment. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, this is like the perfect yeah. recipe for a cult movie, right? Yeah. It's yeah. Valley it of the Dolls. Very, very it's, Heathers. You know, it's, it's Heathers. Yeah, yeah, it's Jawbreaker. Yeah. Like these Heather. are films that are not appreciated in their time. Yeah. Heathers is probably the biggest movie like this. Yeah. That, but this I is like this way more than Jawbreaker though. Me too. And this is way more interesting than both of those. It's more interesting yeah. than Heathers too. This movie it, to me, yeah. it's one of the only movies that I've ever seen that takes on small town culture mm-hmm. with no mercy. Ow, These mother, then that's, that's yeah. why I like it yeah. more than waiting for Guffman. Yeah. Cause waiting for Guffman is a very sensitive portrayal. It still right. loves his character. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And which this is, movie does not like which his is, characters. Yeah, which is fine. Right. You know, which is Although fine. I think it likes Kristen. Dunn. It likes Amber. It, it likes, likes Amber. Amber. Yeah. There's yeah. only one redeemable character in the whole movie. It's Amber. But, and even she steps over a body at the end. But so waiting, all right, so waiting for, waiting for Guffman, it's very, sympath- it's very sympathetic towards its characters, yes. loves its characters. And there was a moment where that felt right. Yeah. yeah. In 2018, yeah. that moment has passed. And this is the way I feel. 
I feel the way Michael Patrick Jan, the director of this movie, yes. and the writer, what's her name? Uh, Lana Williams. I feel the way that they feel. Can about- I just say that there's an amazing the quote from him that speaks exactly to what you're saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, he basically says, this isn't the story of good of a good girl versus the bad girl. This is a more esoteric, esoteric story of how success is sort of mercenary and empty and meaningless. Yep. And yeah, I mean, this movie is harsh. I want to make one more point about yeah, how brilliant I think this movie is. Okay. There's the, the one character who is the actor, who she performs a monologue, mm-hmm. right? And the monologue she performs is from Soylent Green. Which is so silly and funny and has a deep cut. Well, like who's that joke for? Oh, it's like, it's like, who is this movie for? And I mean, in the best way. I'll explain it to you. It's for me. And (laughs) And only Kenny. Do you you know what Soiling Green is about, right? Yes. It's about eating people. Soiling Green is people. It's about rich people eating poor people. Okay. (laughs) And this movie is about rich people eating poor people. Sure. This movie is about how rich people. Kirstie Alley and her husband and Denise Richards, despite having no actual merit, Mm -hmm. steal this prize from the poor people in this town. And they do that with everything in this movie. And so I think the Soylent Green monologue (laughs) is so brilliant and inspired because it's so silly and so funny. And Soylent Green is people. It's people. Like, it's a funny joke. But it is so Brilliant, so brilliantly encapsulates what this movie is actually about, and we've seen it so fucking clearly in America right sure, now yeah. sure. that, that that it resonated for me in a way far beyond a waiting for Guffman, which is like frankly just funny. Yeah. Okay. Well, first of all, I want to say that the Soylent Green, and I loved that joke, and I, I laughed at it in the movie as well. It did make me think about the audition scene in Waiting for Guffman when the when the guy starts using the Raging Bull monologue. About like, did you fuck my wife? And just Corky, like looking at him, like with just just admonishment. I I, I think that Waiting for Guffman is a genius movie. I, I don't think you're giving Waiting for Guffman maybe enough credit. And I it's will say ma- that this movie, look, I love the movie. I'm, the, I don't mean to just sit here and like no, no, shit no, on it, but, but like it's that and Best in Show, Art and a Mighty Wind are just funny. Well, hold on. I, I want to. I just I I want to be very clear. I think Drop Dead Gorgeous is great. I also think that Drop It Gorgeous takes some swings and does not connect. I think some of the jokes don't always hit. As, <clears throat> don't as agree. Well. Please help. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to say that, that Waiting for Guffman has its laser sight on something that it is very consistent and knows from credits to credits what it's doing. This movie vacillates. Its peaks are higher than the peaks of Waiting for Guffman. I, I, I also I also think what we're talking about also are films that maybe on the surface have similar aesthetics and that they're faux documentaries, sure. but I think their aims are very very different. Very, you wow, know, you and I that, think that's what I'm getting. Yeah, at. I think I think all of Christopher Guest's movies at the end of the day are more about a study of both human nature and frankly improvisation, right? Like I th- I mean, no, yeah, but it's point true. I mean, the person and see what they do. Exactly, it's kind of like. I have very, very talented people in my life. Mm -hmm. I have Eugene Levy. I have Catherine O'Hara. I have Parker Mm -hmm. Posey. I'm going to just let them be talented. Mm -hmm. This movie is, to your point, much more an intentional statement that is clearly plotted out and scripted because there is a script, you know, and I think that that's why it's really interesting to see it sort of follow the aesthetic trajectory of a Christopher Guest movie Mm -hmm. while having a very different aim. I Mm -hmm. also just think that, you know, Christopher Guest, to your point, is, is a pretty, 
he's a he's a guy who cares about his movies. There's a heart to his movies. There's a soul to his movies. Not to say that this movie is soulless, but this movie is cruel. Oh, this movie is heartless. The movie yeah. this heart got blown up on that tractor <laughs> yeah. with you know with, that, with, with the Tammy. Tammy. Yeah, yeah, Tammy got, yeah. I mean, it's just but it yeah. is. But the thing I really like about this movie, and I think weirdly one of the reasons that this movie resonates so deeply with gay men specifically is because there really is that energy of nobody is going to give me what I deserve. I have to get what I want because it really did come out at a time when I think there were probably a lot of the gay men who were watching it were either closeted or young or were living in a society that was really oppressive still. I mean, it still is in a lot of ways and it's getting more oppressive, but that's not about this. Um, But I think when you see people like Kirsten Dunst and Allison Janney's character and Gladys Lehman and Becky and Iris played brilliantly by Mindy Sterling, like there are so many incredible personifications of women who are not living their lives according to the men in them because there are almost no men in their lives. And Mm -hmm. that's something I think is really interesting about this movie too. I mean, Gersie Alley's husband is an afterthought the entire time. And beyond that, the best man in the judges, I mean, it's a pedophile, it's an idiot. And it's honestly someone I have to say, I interviewed Will Sasso a long, long time ago Uh and I, it was for a totally different project. And I spent 30 minutes talking to him about drop dead gorgeous because what he does in this movie from a physical comedy perspective as Hank is some of the, it has stayed with me. I mean, I don't even have to be watching the movie and I can hear him with his overalls trapped in the car door (laughs) screaming, help Hank, help Hank. And then just the Chiron comes up that says as documentarians, we cannot interfere with our subjects. Like it's so also the shot of him at the store after his dad passes away. Oh my God. I know. What does that store become? I mean, it's just like, I mean, it's, it's literally the first step of Mad Max. (laughs) You know, not to bring it back to my, like, I fucking hate small town America thing, but it's also exactly (laughs) the way people in, not in small town America, in America, Mm -hmm. treat people with disabilities. Yeah. The tar, the retard, the tar, the retard, laughing at him, not helping him. They do say that word an awful lot in this. Yeah. And they, but you know, who doesn't doesn't say it? Amber. Amber. Becky's actually the only, Becky and Gladys are the only two characters who repeatedly say it. Yeah. Which is interesting. Amber never says it. And if Amber had said it, then you, the you whole politics the, of the exactly. movie you get really worried yeah. about. She's, I mean, I, I we got to talk about Kristen Dunst for a second. Okay. Because the, the, the three performances she puts in in 99. She is the MVP so far of 99, She's the MVP. Right? It's amazing. Virgin Suicide's yep. dick in this. And why isn't she making comedies anymore? Because she is so fucking funny. She is really funny. I mean, I know it's not part, even like when you bring Bring It On into yeah. the equation. I mean, she really, I think, was a teenager at the time that teenagers were being offered the best film roles they could have been, sure. right? When, it's when you look at like a breath of opportunity. And she got them. And she really did. Yeah, I yeah. mean, she, her, I mean, Natalie Portman to some extent, Julia Stiles in a different yeah. realm. Like, mm-hmm. But like Kirsten was really hitting that comedy sweet spot, but also doing such interesting stuff. Yeah. You know, none of these roles are safe and none of them are the same. No. You know, I think you look at what Julia Stiles did. She played that Shakespearean character in every movie for four years. Yes. Natalie Portman was obviously trying to work against, as we were saying, Star yeah. Wars. But Kirsten, between like Dick and Virgin Suicides and Bring It On and Drop Dead yep. Gorgeous, I mean, she was just she trying a, a lot of different, yeah. a lot of different muscles as an actor. Well, she was, I mean, she, truthfully, she was pretty fearless, but she was also. You know, Bring It On, which I actually just rewatched recently and is a fantastic movie uh, and is really funny. But she, I don't know, like she found ways like to sort of 
subversive teen yep. movies. Totally. But that were also kind of within the studio system model a little bit, which is, you know, really impressive. I just, you know, and then Spider-Man happens and she kind of just fucking yeah. gets swallowed by that beast. Machine. Yeah. And then, I mean, she was tremendous in Melancholia. She's tremendous in Fargo. I hope that we're seeing sort of a resurgence. Yeah. I hope she does more stuff. She, It's really unfortunate because... She also, all right, so she came at a time when she, teens were getting really good roles. She also predated female superheroes by about 10 to 15 mm-hmm. years. And if she wanted to be a part of those franchises, she had to play a girlfriend. Right. Just like somebody who made her film debut in this movie, Amy Adams, who also plays a girlfriend, by the way. Fucking amazing. Can, I could, love can, Amy so Adams. Okay, listen, movie. let me just say this real quick. I love Amy Adams today. I wish, I wish we got to see me too. the Amy Adams who's in Drop Dead Gorgeous more now. Me too. It is, yeah. it is a fearless, I have nothing to lose, because yeah. she didn't, right? Yeah. Now she obviously does. But like, look at the kind of insanity she's capable yeah. of bringing to the table. Well, I think the movie that, that did come to mind as I was watching her in this was Enchanted. I mean, yes. that's, that's yes. the only other performance that I can point to and be like, this is her kind of a little unchained mm-hmm. and just sort of taking... Going for it. The weird thing about that is, I so I looked at her filmography, yeah. right? Because it was amazing to me she was even in this, and I didn't know. Yeah. This is 1999. She gets nominated for Jude June Rug yeah. in 2006. Yeah. yeah. So she is in the wilderness for seven years. Yeah. Then yeah. Enchanted 2007, and then her yeah. career takes off. Yeah. But really, and Ricky Bobby, I think, was 2006 too. But. What the what the fuck was Hollywood doing with this Sitting piece on this. of I know, gold I know. for seven years? Yes. And it's crazy. I mean, she really <clears throat> was super in the TV circuit. I mean, she was on Smallville. She yeah. was on Charm. She was on Buffy. She was on these terrible, the these like terribly TV show. That's right. That like was that, that a ter- TV show? Yeah, well, it was like a pilot, pilot that didn't get made. Uh, so they turned into a, t- a made where she masturbates on a horse. I would uh, now. If there's I, a direct to video like pseudo sequel that yeah. they turned the pilot into. You should watch the it's, trailer for it. It's insane. It's insane. Um, I want to say quickly while we're talking about Kirsten Dunst, almost in the reverse way. Denise Richards is so good in this movie, <laughs> and I believe it is only one of two times she's ever been good in a movie. What was the other time? Wild Things. Wild I think there were three, because I just Starship looked. Troopers. Starship Troopers. That's the third You guys, one. Yes. first of all, no. I'm sorry. Okay, wait. Okay. Listen, but here's the thing. <laughs> she I, had this incredible, like, out of the gate. Oh, yeah. Well, because, she, I mean, first of all, she's insanely beautiful. Yes. She looked like no, like she was yeah, like this. She literally, if Denise Richards wasn't born, I don't think Maxim magazine would have been birthed. She is true. Like she, she is, is, yeah. is Maxim magazine yeah. as a person. Her and Shannon yeah. Elizabeth. Totally. Which I'm, is why the yeah. love actually joke on them. is perfect. Exactly. And she like, that was sort of like the start of this extremely like voluptuous yeah. kind of talentless, like not great, uh. but we keep putting her in so many things. But Drop Dead Gorgeous is amazing because it plays to her strengths or weaknesses perfectly. as an actor yeah. perfectly the same way Wild Things does. And I think what happened was these two movies, and I will give you Starship Troopers, a movie I love that she is the worst part of. But that's the movie. hundred percent. I mean, everyone's, everyone's intentionally. Everyone is terrible. Yeah. I know. But like, yeah. I don't know if they're intentionally, but like they, they just were purposely cast the most yeah. beautiful yeah. people possible. Exactly. Inside. Learn your Who cares? Lines, They're like, whatever. Yeah. Can you recite this? Can, can you read? Yeah. Amazing. You're hired. But like, I think these three movies put her in a place in Hollywood that she was not worthy of totally. in some ways. And then everything after that was sort of like, oh, you're 
your garbage, exactly. and then it was all downhill. Well, she, but we do have a second Denise Richards in 1999 movie, which is The World Is Not Enough, which is also Doctor Christmas, Christmas, Christmas Jones, Christmas Jones, Christmas Jones, which is essentially another fucking girlfriend role, right? Yeah. Where she, you know, obviously there's no fucking Laura Croft at this point. There's certainly nothing like we have she, today. She, actually, she could have been a good Laura Croft, maybe. Um, she certainly had a silent film. I think she would have been. <laughs> a, I, I think that yeah, every the world fair. would have been right if she was Laura Croft instead of like taking our finest film actress and making her Laura Croft. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we already <laughs> had our. We Instead of wasting our finest film actress on Laura Croft, but, uh, yeah, we did our Bone Collector episode and talked about. Uh, I love Bone Collector. <laughs> <laughs> you and Daniel Savory. Okay, okay wait. Does star I, our finest film actress? It's so unrelated. Can I tell you a quick funny Absolutely. Bone Collector story? So you know, at the end of the movie, the villain is giving that huge monologue about like yeah. why he did it, and yeah. it's insane. So I went to college in Syracuse, New York, and that movie came out in the fall of '99 when I went to college, and his whole thing is predicated on Syracuse, New York. His whole yeah, argument, yeah. he says, do you remember what happened in Syracuse, New York? <laughs> I, I shit you not. I'm walking out of the movie, which I did see with people, like no for the record. it Syracuse, New York, by the way. Obviously. It's so funny. I'm walking out of the movie with my friend, and these two girls behind me have this conversation verbatim. <laughs> Isn't it crazy that they said Syracuse, New York, and we're in Syracuse? Jessica, don't be an idiot. They change it for every city the movie plays in. (laughs) I am. I. It was. That is the. I love that that girl thinks that though. That's so charming. What a beautiful life she must lead. No, 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 no. That girl is a flat earther right now. (laughs) She has taken Alex Jones pills. She thinks she has it all figured out. That's incredible. It was. That's the, really amazing. It was sorry, I didn't mean to sidetrack really, that. But I like, mean, God, can you imagine if they did that though? It would uh, be if they dubbed a different city for every single movie. <laughs> seems financially viable. Seems California. California. Yeah. <laughs> they just they just made they the actor actually perform. They did that with the Adam West thing in this movie. <laughs> it was good. Uh, I love that Adam West volunteered to be in that and then get made fun of so hard so at the hard. end yeah. when it was like Adam West. He said he couldn't. He was so set. What does he say? Like he couldn't have the couldn't stop having sex something like something that like, yeah just adam west i mean Got denise it. richards i kind of like her in the world is not enough like she works in the stupidity that is that movie and it's necessary up against the sophie marceau of it all who could not be any more drastically different than, right i mean it is ironic to have like an amazing french film actress opposite denise richards yeah. and, and, and robert carlisle like I it's, know. It, that movie's we're gonna talk about the movie. that movie's actually one of my favorite bond movies wow spoiler i only like like one really for me Skyfall only, I like Skyfall Gold, I, no GoldenEye is so good GoldenEye's great I, I GoldenEye's li- great I actually like GoldenEye uh, because of the video game sure I like Skyfall <laughs> sure. and I like uh, Casino Royale yeah and uh, I think Daniel Craig's the best Bond so that's it I, I agree well, with, I guess we don't need to do the world is not enough. <laughs> I agree with you, but I do think he should have bowed out of playing Bond for this next movie. I, think I fully agree. I think it's time. I think, well, I also feel why like, do you feel that? Because we came to a conclusion. It, it ended to a natural oh, conclusion. Oh, I and he's what you're too old now. I'm sorry. I see Daniel Craig now, and yeah. I'm like, I don't want to watch you come out of the ocean in those little bathing suit things anymore. Like, <laughs> also, give it to someone else. Like, to that point, too, Spectre, which I have, I have lots of issues yeah. with Spectre. I don't think it's a great movie, but I also think that pairing him with someone who looks like his daughter 
also it, doesn't do him any favors. For sure. So I, I just feel like more than anything, we came to a conclusion on this yeah. iteration of James Bond. I thought so too. I thought we were but, done and moved on and it was a foregone conclusion and yeah. here we are. I thought five he, years he thought later that, getting right? another. I don't know if it's, I mean, they say it's happening. I don't we'll know. We'll see if it's happening. We're, okay. I'm, I'm curious as to whether or not. Is it going to be old Bond? Is it going to be like. I mean, we, listen, if it's like, you know, if it's like the, yeah. if it's like the Batman thing where he's like super old training oh, someone I, younger. I wish we did that. But it's, it it's like, they did that old, uh, they did that old off brand Bond with Connery, I believe, was never say never yep. again. Yep. Yeah, yep. that one would play on like where he had a hair time a lot. And right. It was it was, well, was gray. He had gray hair, and it was weird. But it was like some off brand shit. It was a remake yeah. of of yeah. Thunderball. Some, yeah, of yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know I, a lot about Bond, considering I don't like Bond. So uh, <laughs> let's talk about Drop Dead Gorgeous. Yeah, okay. Um, I there's a lot of things that I learned in this article. One of which is that it was got one of Gavin Pallone's first movies. Uh, a very interesting, notorious producer who's done any number of things, including UTA alum, just like me and you. He is UTA alum. <laughs> um, what else do you guys have in common? Yeah. <laughs> uh, he did Zombieland, Curb Your Enthusiasm, um, and you know, probably his biggest credit is maybe Go More Girls. I mean, I think that's certainly one of them. Curb. Okay. Well, okay, fine. I mean, we there's, I don't know what to tell you. I don't, I don't think that's true, but okay. But I do think that it's interesting to sort of read about how he sort of saw this movie in a, in a way like he kind of deferred to the studios. It felt like a little bit and he, he seemed to kind of fluctuate a little bit. The writer did not get along with Gavin Pallone. Um, apparently in an early minor disagreement, uh, the writer had envisioned the candy striper character as a cameo for herself. But Gavin Pallone told her she was too old for the part. And she said, are you fucking kidding me? I wrote that for me. I can do a couple lines. He said, no, you're too old. You can have the part that has no dialogue. So you save us money. Uh, Williams ended up playing the third pageant judge who doesn't speak. Oh, really? Who's, that was her? Yeah. yeah. And it's such a good character. I it mean, is. she's so awkward she's really and really weird. Good, like, she's really good. She says so much by saying nothing. It's true. Uh, she's really fantastic. But it's, it's, just, it's just interesting to see how... A movie like this that clearly needed to be nurtured, clearly needed to sort of allow it to be its own thing. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. It still kind of found a way, you know, life finds a way to, to, to quote, quote Dr. Ian Malcolm. Yeah. I feel like this movie. I think about that of, every time I'm sick. 
I'm like, I do. Every time like, I'm sick, you know, it's like life finds. I'm not going to die because life finds a way. Sure. Yeah. I, and if but I, I do, think, that's life's decision. <laughs> well. I do think this movie, in some weird, twisted way, had to be birthed in the way that it was, obviously. Yeah. I mean, I think when you even look at it, like, there, when you read the script, when you even watch the movie, there is no version of this film that is successful financially no. or in the culture. Like, it's just no. not. It's just, that was never ever, ever going to happen. And I think so much the better for it. You know, I think it is one of those films, like so many of the movies that I love that have found a fandom over time, whether it's through reruns on television, whether it's through the DVD that I got at Suncoast Video, like whatever it is that allows you to watch it over yeah. and over and over, it kind of helps because I don't think you necessarily develop deep, deep affection like this for movies that actually are incredibly successful. I totally agree. Mm -hmm. I think you can love movies that are super popular. You know, I think you have a podcast based on that. Sure. Toy Story. I mean, I'm looking at here right now. I mean, Blair Witch Project, <laughs> Town of Mystery. Like, these are, yeah, like these are hugely yeah. successful films that I love, but I will... I came in here like ready to fight yeah. for this movie because I love it so stuff. much, yeah, you know. Yeah. And I think that Sorry. doesn't exist. No, I'm so glad. <laughs> just just I'm a couple of allies. I'm over so here. glad we're in this together. It's way better. <laughs> but I, I also think that this movie, first of all, it has some real gems of dialogue, not oh, just man. funny lines, but lines that are just really, really like. There's a, there's a there's a great um, scene here where Loretta, played by Allison Janney, uh, turns to Amber, played by Kirsten Dunst, and says, what's wrong with you? And Amber says, I don't know. I just didn't want to win like this. And she says, you stop right there. You're a good person. Good things happen to good people. And Amber says, really? She says, no, it's pure bullshit, sweetie. You're lucky as hell. You might as well enjoy it. Mm -hmm. And I do feel like this movie is kind of that in a nutshell a little bit, right? Which is that in its time, didn't get the love that it deserved. Yeah. And it's lucky that people found it and that people love it now. And they've turned it into this, this, this movie that people really, really adore. I, you know, I hope more people, I mean, I hope you know, the listeners, listen, listeners, what's the word? Listeners of yep. our podcast. Give go it a chance. Buy this movie go, go search the ends of the earth yep. for this movie because yep. more than most movies we've seen, a lot of the movies we do are movies people have seen a hundred times or a sure. lot of the movies we do are movies that suck. But more than most movies we've seen, this this and the other one I'd say uh, is Ravenous. I really Great. Oh, yeah. implore That's people Pierce, right? yeah, yeah, so to good. seek yeah. it out. There's yeah. nothing getting made like it today. Yeah, I agree. You just, it, they're just gems. Like, yeah. they're these little it, gems that maybe you'd yeah. unearth any year we did it, but they just happen to belong to us in 1999. Yeah. And it's interesting, too. And the we one thing I. <laughs> Sorry. And the one thing I always tell people, you know, to your point, like, there is. A very, very, very small repository of Brittany Murphy performances in the world. She's yeah. really good in this movie. She too. is so good in this movie. And yeah. you know what's She's funny? She's a treasure. I mean, That's what I wrote. She's a treasure. Yeah. Every single thing I see her in since her death, I'm reminded of how talented she actually was. She really was. And everyone always goes to Clueless, sure. But there's movies like this. There's movies like, uh, what's the one she did with Ashton Kutcher? That's, oh. Where they like they fake their marriage, right? Whatever Shit. that was, what not just married. No, it's not the Cameron. D oh, yes, it is just married because what happens in Vegas is Cameron Diaz. Yeah, yeah. yeah. just married. Little black book. Yeah. Uh, even don't say a word. She's even eight miles. Eight miles. She's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Like yeah. Brittany Murphy was so and insanely talented. Yeah, I mean, girl interrupted as well. It's yeah. it's it. She truly. I mean, there have been so many sort of incredible actor losses that we yeah. as sort of millennial people have experienced. Heath Ledger being Heath, maybe yeah, but I feel like Brittany Murphy's actual talent gets lost so much in that because her story got so insane at the end and so tabloidy at the yeah, end. Yeah. And you forget, like, she was 
crazy talented, and I do think yeah. you really see it in this movie. But in a movie, art, I so fully it, agree. She, in, in movies yeah. like this, then I, 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 I'm trying to speak to your point, and it's going to kind of sound like I'm being a little dismissive, and I'm not. It's the movies like this that it's a very, it's very hard to bring home. A, incredible performance. She's the fourth, fifth, sixth lead, something like that. And there are scene stealing performances all over this yep. movie. Right. But she nails this. She nails clueless. She nails weird movies. Like don't say a word, but she never had, I'll never tell. I'll never tell. That's right. All the time. She never had <laughs> that. Heath Ledger and broke back. Yep. Thing yeah. that could have just legitimized yeah. her, and she may have. The closest is Eight Mile, frankly. Like she's, she's eight really mile, good at Eight Mile. Yeah, yeah. and that's oh, like name. I'm not saying Eight Mile is an Oscar movie, but does it is did win cr- one. <laughs> you better lose yourself in the moment, <laughs> and deservedly. It's a great but, fucking song. I mean, it's Curtis Hansen. You know, yeah, like, yeah. that it's, like that was a real fancy movie in its, its own right. Razor, like, yeah. it's Kim Basinger. Yeah. Oh yeah, that, that movie was that legit, and yeah. it was a pretty good performance in yeah. that movie. And and she could have. In the right role, she could have certainly won an Emmy and definitely yeah. won an Oscar. It felt like when you look back on sort of the timeline of it all, like she was there. Like yeah, she was about yeah. to really start having those things. Yeah. And then all that fucking guy just like came yeah. in and just like ruined it ruined all. And, yeah. I mean, and it's it's sad. It's, it's really sad. sad. But, She's, the, the moment when she gives her, her, uh, her oh outfit God, to, 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 Amber. to Amber so that she can have her moment. It's just like, you're like, fuck. Like I actually, it, it kind of breaks your heart a little bit. And then it's like, followed by the line. It's like your parents are going to be so mad at you. And they go, no, you know, they only had me because my brother needed a kidney. Yeah. Like it's, <laughs> but she says it was such like she, yeah. it doesn't bother her. Yeah. She doesn't care. That's just like, like a fact right. of her yeah. family. Yeah. I mean, the, I mean, and also like the Peter is gay line, the way she screams it. Yeah. Definitely use that once a day. <laughs> <laughs> you just go, yeah! It's just like, but like uh, even in that, like the way she yeah, screams yeah. it is She's so fantastic. artful. It's yeah. so, it's, yeah. it's such a, yeah. Anyway, uh, I'm going to give a little bit of context. 53 minutes into this movie. Uh, <laughs> about about, what, it's about. about <laughs> what it's about. Sure. Uh, the synopsis this is, is how film. we do. This is how we do it. This, guys, you love it. Uh, an annual <laughs> beauty pageant in small town Minnesota turns ridiculously competitive and ultimately chaotic in this biting comedy. Amber Atkins, played by Kirsten Dunst, the daughter of a hard drinking mom, Annette, played by Ellen Barkin, and Becky Lehman. Like, played like by, uh, seen an F, but God. And Becky Lehman, played by Denise Richards, who is motivated by her former beauty queen mother, Gladys, played by Kirstie Alley, are among the top contenders in this event. As Amber, Becky, and other local girls prepare for the big day bizarre incidents occur, leading to an ending with a bang. Fair. That is that is you know that's yeah. It's one of Google's uh, best synopses yet. So far, it's it's pretty yes. it's pretty comprehensive. Drop to Gorgeous opened on July twenty third, nineteen ninety nine, in eleventh place behind The Haunting and Inspector Gadget. It went on to Two make, movies. I just can't wait to do. Yeah, we're going to cover those. Oh God, I'll be, cur- be curious to hear if The Haunting is better than I remember because I remember I being really of, the worst. I'm kind of weirdly looking forward to The Haunting yeah. because I think that. I bet it looks awesome. Yeah. Yonda Bont knows how to like shoot a movie. Sure. I just bet that it's just not. Who's the guy with Lily Taylor and Catherine Zeta-Jones? Liam Neeson. Is it Liam Neeson? <laughs> it's Liam Neeson. Oh my God. I literally thought it was Owen Wilson. <laughs> Although it might Quite be Owen Jim. Wilson and Liam Neeson. He might be the, the Owen Wilson might be the I, 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 I only remember House on Haunted Hill. Oh, I love House on Haunted uh, Hill. Famke Jansen in that movie. <laughs> oh, Jeez, God. really? You want to come back on for House on Haunted Hill? Yeah. Because we're sure. going to need some yeah. You guys, I love House on I've, I've, well, I also own House on Haunted Hill. So if you need to borrow the oh, DVD, perfect. you can have it. Uh, uh, yeah, that's Brigitte Nielsen. You are right. right? Owen Wilson is the fourth 
I never in that movie. I never forget his fucked up face. What? <laughs> who was Liam Neeson, Catherine Cedar Jones, Owen Wilson, Lily Taylor? You know what? It, who who was those four what people? What dartboard were like things yeah. being thrown at to what, find a yeah, cast? White people dartboard. But, but you know what? Like I get it. Like I. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it actually makes sense. Like if you think about 1999, right? Yeah, Lily Taylor was like the indie darling, and yeah. so they're like, you know what? I bet she'll be amazing. Catherine Cedar Jones coming off Entrapment. Yeah. Liam Neeson. Sure. Yeah. Like Entrapment. it. It kind of makes sense. When you look at it, but yeah. it there seems four crazy. actors. Right. There, there are four that. people that maybe some they people in America know. Lily Taylor's kind of just a funny thing. To be. She's kind of got that Parker, Parker Posey thing. Yeah. In that, like, mm-hmm. they did all these in, indie movies, but like, they do like some fucking lame ass sure. oh, yeah. studio sure. shit. Yeah. But sometimes, like, that weird studio shit can be amazing, like Josie and the Pussy. Oh, that's one of my favorites. Well, I mean, that's just, the like, answer. Parker Posey's like, makes that, not she, make that she, movie, she, no. she really nails I mean, she's like, I'm going to do something you are not expecting yeah. with this she character. Just, it fits in perfectly yeah. to an otherwise perfect movie. It's a great movie. I mean, I think also, like, she is probably one of those actors who, if you're hiring Parker Posey, you have to say to yourself, I'm just going to kind of let her do her thing because she knows what she's doing and I may not. By the way, Josie and the Pussycats, the only other movie I could think of that reminds me of this yeah. in the way it was received at the time, yeah. yes. in the cult oh, of it, yeah. that makes me yes. think that it's better that the people yes. think it's better than it actually is. And then you watch and you're like, Oh wait, no, oh, wait. It's this is even yeah. better than people it, are telling me. That was probably the, that is, you know, what's interesting is normally it's never both of these things, but Josie and the Pussycats was a movie so perfectly of its time and also so perfectly ahead of its time. Yeah. And that is something you rarely ever. So is, so is this. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. I mean, both of them are just incredibly smart movies. Yeah. And about yet, two totally different things. And yet also, like, you you could conceivably be a dumb person and enjoy it as well. Like, I think that, that oh, both of yeah. those movies... I have a point to make about that. <laughs> uh, okay. So, <laughs> I don't, I don't, it's I don't. not a dumb person point. Okay. But I think, I think one of the most brilliant moves in this movie is the pedophile judge. <laughs> and... It comes off for, for I, I write it down. He comes out. It's Dan Dan Castellaneta yeah. from The Simpsons. Yes, yes. Homer Simpson. Wait, no, he's not the pedophile. Am I wrong? Is he you're not? Wrong. No, it's it's uh, it's the. Uh, oh, Matt you're right. Malloy. It looks just like oh, him. It's Matt it's Malloy. A, yeah, from many in the company of men. From the company of men and a couple other movies. people have confused him for Dan Castellaneta for years. Multiple people times. Being, um, Kenny people being, me. being the only Okay, person. so it's Matt Malloy. Um, initially, I'm just like a pedophile judge. Like it seems like kind of an easy joke. Right? And also kind of a lame joke. When are the young girls coming out? It's a brilliant joke. <laughs> the way they do it. Because Always the, the young what girls. They, what they accomplish, and I think this is bringing on to big failure, what they accomplish with that joke is, the, is detachment from looking at these girls sexually. Yeah. And it allows you to watch this movie without ever feeling really like a pedophile. Mm-hmm. Because that guy's the pedophile. You don't want to be that guy. You don't want to. Ha- you don't even look like that guy. That's really so. Watch yeah. this movie with a different kind of eye mm-hmm. than this sick fuck. So, because I think, but bring- you can still laugh at the sick fuck, right. of course, yeah. and you should. Yeah. But I think the bringing on mistake, which is I love bringing on, bringing it's on sexualizing, it's sexualizing, it's super gazy, very yeah. much. I mean, the car the wash scene, like I mean, the all fingering of, stuff, yeah, all of like, all of it. Yeah, all there's a the lot dance. of yes. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff in that movie that makes me feel like you are trading on the sexuality of these right. girls. Whereas in this movie, it's a necessary evil and they want to let you know that it's necessary evil with dire consequences. But I would also say too, I actually didn't find. I mean, 
they don't really sexualize them in this movie at all. Like in terms of their actual outfits. It's really like part. Amy Adams is the closest you get. And even right. that is not, and that's like her character, her character is not, not even being, like being the slight. way. But exactly. I think, yeah. I think they, I think a lot of that is really the presence of this character. I sure. Because I mean, another movie that I think is brilliant and I love, and I felt really bad after kind of making this connection is mean girls. Yeah. And that scene in Mean Girls, the the Santa Claus or the Christmas mm-hmm. dance scene, <clears throat> nothing but but trading on the sexuality right. of four hot teenagers. Fortunately, I was around their age, so it wasn't too creepy. It's pretty creepy now, right? But yeah, I didn't feel like a creep watching. Creepy. I didn't feel like a creep watching this movie at all. Right. Yeah. Because they're obviously making a comment on what we do to young girls. But it's in this sort country. of having your cake and eating it too, in some ways. Like we're going to make a comment, but we're also going to use this to our advantage. Yeah. I mean, I think the thing about the pedophile judge that's really interesting in the context of the larger film is he's sort of one of the many characters who you're watching hide their truth from the documentarians, mm-hmm. right? Which I think is such a cool thing that this movie repeatedly does. And you see it because the, the cameraman is a bit of like a creeper and yeah. you don't actually know always when he's filming. And so I think what's really great is everyone is trying to be a certain thing for the camera, really except Amber, who I think is very transparent and also Loretta, who's very transparent. Um, but when you, they're hiding it, it's great because every single time they found a way to make that through line, which plays into your earlier point about small town America of Every time someone clocks the camera, oh God, it's cops here. Cops here. Yeah. Like the fact that everyone just expects this yeah. television show yeah. to be filming them because they're such trash and because that is just how the town operates, it just speaks so highly to the thoughtfulness that actually really went into crafting this world. And then the and then the joke at the end when cops is actually See there. there. Yep. Love it, right? Because you guys are trash. Sorry, I don't really, I don't, I don't really mean that. I'm coming off really, I'm coming off really bitter, but I am very embittered about the Trump of it. I'm very embittered about this idea that Trump succeeded exactly the same way Mm -hmm. that the Lehmans succeeded. They stole something that they didn't earn, and I'm not even arguing that Trump uh, cheated. I'm arguing that Trump got three million, three million votes less, right? Just like. But, Je- it, but he did cheat. But yeah, I'm not arguing. But it was that a it, what it was a it was a rigged <laughs> system. Rigged. Yes. yes, in both situations, For sure. and everybody kind of let it slide. And the only thing I feel like this got wrong was that the audience and the audience in the movie was very much on Amber's side at the end. Yeah. Whereas I think that we've proven. That they would just fall in line with the Lehmans in real life. I mean, it's for sure. It's a cognitive dissonance, right? Because you see it throughout the movie. You have Loretta saying at the very, very beginning to the documentarians, oh, have you been to the Lehmans house? And you've already gotten all the footage of the winner you need. Despite that, she's obviously one of Amber's biggest champions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You have Hank, someone the film establishes as mentally slow, mm-hmm. saying... I know who the winner is. I know who the winner is. It, there is this expectation the entire time that this is a facade. A sham. This is a sham that's being put on for Gladys Lehman's enjoyment. She has become the head of this organization simply to allow her daughter to win this pageant. And that's why it's so fantastic that she actually kills her own daughter through her own hubris. It's mm-hmm. amazing. It, it, Yeah, I mean... To talk about Loretta for a second, uh, Alison Fanny is, all day. is the best. I love that she says she gets more people talking to her about this role than for C.J. Craig oh, yeah. on the West Wing. I swear to fucking God, it's my favorite performance she's ever given. Ever? She's, she's it's fantastic. The most I, it's the most I have ever felt her. There's also nothing she can't 
do. Like you're watching this role, which I mean, I think if we're all being honest, is a little similar to her role in Itania, which won her an Academy Award. I agree. So she I should have won an Academy Award for, for this, this movie. Yes. Sorry. If that's what I you're agree. saying, Philly, yes, I agree with you 100%. But I think that she, it, it really just goes to show that what in lesser hands would have been a oh, yeah. over the top cartoonish performance. And quite frankly, she's surrounded by a couple of those in this movie. She brings a, a soul and a heart. This person feels real. Loretta Very feels like real. a real person. Oh, yeah. And it's because of how tremendously talented Alison Janney is. I completely agree. I mean, and I think, as I've already established, I quote this movie a lot. I quote no one more than Alison Janney in sure, this movie. Sure. I mean, there's just, the, I think my favorite moment at the end, because she's so just like joyful and she just cares about who she cares about. And she hates everybody else. The scene after the, the final, final pageant when everyone is throwing up and Alison Janney walks out of the room and sees everyone throwing up. Oh, and then they, they and then they crown Amber and on television, she just looks at the camera. She goes, "I got, I got some." I mean, oh, that's—I I mean, that, oh. that's a great line. But my real favorite line from that moment yeah. is, "They—they they come out of the hotel room. Everybody's throwing up off the balcony." And she says to the guy she just had sex with, "Do you, Do you think, think they, they hurt us?" That's <laughs> what I mean. Like, she's so, so good. so good. And she has another great line early on where I kind of knew—I oh. knew this movie was for me. Was when Kristen Dunst goes. Don't ever have kids, and she goes. Well, bless your heart for thinking I can. Yeah, it's or thinking I still can. It's like oh, I but, love you. But there's so many. I mean, even like the simple, like most smartest when she's talking in the trailer. I mean, it just it never stops being a human being to Allison Janney, yeah. and I think that actually speaks to why she is such a successful actor mm-hmm. and why people love working with her so much. Because I don't think anyone would ever, ever posit that Allison Janney has phoned. Anything in professionally her yeah. entire career. Well, well, I mean, I lost, think, but you know, whatever. Well, you know, what's she so didn't phone that in. She just was given a really bad script. I interviewed Allison Janney or multiple her. times, and we talked about loss. She goes, "I gotta tell you something. I didn't have a fucking clue what I was doing. Nobody could tell me what I was doing, and nobody would tell me what I was doing. So, like, so I kind of just showed up and read the words that were on the paper and did my best. She was, but like, it's yeah, insane. She, yeah, it's not. I mean, it was, she's very I will say too, cast, because too. We, we talked about her briefly uh, in the American Beauty episode. And another thing we did, oh, so where she had more meat. I'll find out. Ten things I hate about you. There you go. That's right. She's in yeah. that. She's, she's a again. cat. Wow. Honestly, I mean, that's like, what I mean. Give her a cat mug, and she, she finds a joke in nothing. it. She doesn't she need needs anything. Nothing. It's she incredible. is a font of performance. She really is, and in, and which is why in American Beauty, you're just you feel like you've been short shrift, like because you're just like, oh god, like I know she had lines, like I know you you cut those scenes for time and or whatever, but she's just. But, uh, but you know, know I, I and I hear what, I hear what you're saying because obviously we're always going to want more. But I actually think, in a similar way to what you're saying about Loretta here, could have been a caricature in different hands. Yes, the similar thing is true about American Beauty because the thing that Alice and Jenny does so well in American Beauty that I often feel gets overlooked is she somehow pulls the energy out of every scene she's in. Like you feel yeah, the you feel the void where yeah. she is. And I don't even know how you do that as an actor. I don't know how you give a performance that is the absence of something, but she just it's like there's no like it's like her scenes, like her body has no color in any scene in such a vibrant film. Yep. And I don't know even know how you do well, there's, that. There's an effortlessness to what she does yeah. as well where you're just watching you're like Oh, like you don't feel like you're watching a performance. You don't feel like you're watching somebody do 
put on a performance. She's tremendous. I mean, I really hate that she, as you know, that she won the Oscar for I Tanya. I do too. That is not an Allison Janney performance. That, that, it just it reeks. She is of, good in the movie. She's funny. In the she's movie. fine. It just reminds me of Denzel winning for Training Day. Yep. Like I get it. I get you're going a little outside of what you normally do, but that's not why I fell in love with you. So one, one of my coworkers, this brilliant uh, human being named Kate Arthur, has this theory that I always attribute to her because it's spot on that. Sometimes actors get to such a place of prestige in their career where their performances actually start to feel like drag performances of a performance of theirs. Sure. So it's like that's what that's what I Tanya is for Alice and Janney. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. it's kind of what you're seeing across the board from Meryl Streep in the last couple of years. Like well, I would I would argue it's, that it's it's how Kate Winslet wins for the reader. Absolutely. You know what I mean? It's a, a performance that she, I mean absolutely. obviously she should have won for Eternal Sunshine. We all know she should have won for that. And yet she wins for something that's so Oscar baity and so like I mean but it's know. but it's also the same thing that happens when Russell Crowe doesn't win for Insider. He wins for Gladiator. It's yeah, sort yeah. of like happens all the time. Yeah, there's like that year after like oh we fucked up so let's yep. give it to them for this. Like, well, like Nicole, Tommy Lee Jones and JFK he wins for The Fugitive. It, it's always like we should have given it to you last year we fucked up I want to make one more point about Allison Janney uh, and Kirsten Dunst in this movie in their roles it's the humanity and the respect that the movie has for those two characters that allows the movie to and Brittany Murphy I would say as well and even most of the girls actually it's just the adults that kind of hates that allows the movie to comment so bitingly on all on on the system at place here that all of these grownups are a willing participant in. And that's the fucking way I feel about Congress right now. Yep. But, um, can I also just say to pivot away from politics since, you know, that's impossible. This is a very political movie. I I do want to say that I don't know that the director gets enough credit that Michael Patrick, I'm going to say Jan, I think is how we say his name. Let's go with that. Jan, Jan, I don't know. Uh, He's done a shit ton of television. Yeah. A tremendous amount of TV. Good TV. Good TV, and the spectrum is broad, from Flight of the Concords, Reno 911, Community, to recently Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, Last Man on Earth, and The Good Doctor. I mean, all very different shows, uh, which shows his ability with tone. And I think that... 26 years old, he makes this film. Wow. Okay. Oh, if I knew that, I wouldn't like it this much. (laughs) 26 years old, never made another movie. Um, Well, when you get it so right the first time, why do (laughs) another one? Seriously. But I think, you know, him and the screenwriter didn't get along. Him and Lana Williams did not get along. And I think that part of that had to do with the fact that she was probably too close to the source material to a certain extent since it was very autobiographical. But I would also say, too, she was quite young. Um, but subsequently, she's done a ridiculous amount of television in her own right. She was an assistant on 30 episodes of Roseanne and 60 episodes of The Simpsons. I mean, she's, you know, saw a lot. And I guess she felt like she had the experience to speak up, and she should have. And, and it's a great script, and we're all glad that, obviously, it got made. But I do think that part of it is the navigation, the landmines, that this that this director had to navigate to make this film not a disaster. I, like this is a fucking hard movie to direct. I 100% agree with you and I hadn't really thought about navigating that tone until really just now, but I mean the amount of shifts that happen that he juggles. Hair I mean turns. M- multiple people are murdered, right? Yes. There is a beauty pageant, there is like a dance routine, there yeah. is a pedophile, there is this like sexed up woman, there is that actual good I mean it it is a lot going on and I think that 
that may be also why it didn't work. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like that's both it's sort of Achilles heel and, you know, brass ring at the same time. Well, I just I, I really think that. So it's got 44 percent of Rotten Tomatoes. And I, I really I know when I go think, every day and I try to fix it, but like they just it just won't recalibrate. But it's it's the critics just quite simply didn't get it. I mean, I there's a there's a uh, I'm going to read a quote from Roger Ebert's review. And he was relatively kind to the film, considering I think he gave it th- uh, two out of four stars or two and a half. Sometimes I wonder how anyone could have thought a screenplay uh, was funny enough to film. The script for Drop Dead Gorgeous, on the other hand, must have been a funny read. It's the movie that somehow never achieves achieves a takeoff speed. Uh, Subtle miscalculations of production and performance are probably responsible. Comedy is a fragile rose eager to wilt. The climax of Drop Dead Gorgeous uh, contains a few cheerfully disgusting scenes that qualify it to open in the summer of Ranch. I don't know if that was a thing. Well, 99 was American Pie, right? Yeah. Uh, Uh, But once again, the ideas are funnier than the images. uh, Contestants getting food poisoning during their trip to the finals and vomit into the atrium lobby of the host hotel. Funny to read about? You bet. To see, judge for yourself. You know, it is interesting because as I was watching this film, I thought to myself, oh, it's kind of waiting for Guffman meets the Fairly Brothers. Mm-hmm. And, and that might not be, a, it's smarter than both of those things, but not to say that. Well, I was going to say, oh, look where we, we got, got him. Uh, one hour and 11 eat, minutes and 18 that, seconds in. Guest. Phil came I'm oh, not wow. saying that. <laughs> hear that guest, you big dummy. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. We, what are you? We totally got you. That was I fun. I don't understand what you think you <laughs> wonder. I'm not suggesting that <laughs> isn't a good movie. I still love it, you and said, I still think it's that, that this is smarter. This is a smarter movie this than, both, smarter? than both this and what was the other? The Fairly, the Fairly Brothers. Brothers. Definitely smarter than the Fairly Brothers. I, I well, not outside Providence. I, I listen. I'm not going to eat my words. I love Winnie for Guffman. I think that this strives for bigger things than Winnie for Guffman. Yeah, it does. No, and no I think question. it connects most of the time. But that all this being said, it's just a part of me that feels like. Part of why I think this film didn't hit was that it was gross in weird ways. Yeah, sure. Not in a fucking a pie because you think it feels like a woman's vagina. Right. Which is silly, but like not this, gross in the way that this movie is. Also, never, that, that's honestly an inspired gag. But hundred <laughs> percent. We'll just tell mom I, that we ate it all. I mean, this is I, I think I think I think what you're talking about, Phil, is like this movie feels cruder than that in some yeah, ways. And crueler I crueler too. A hundred percent. Yeah. And I mean, I will say, like, I the the vomiting was always my least favorite part of the movie because it does feel like a less elevated choice than what I think happens elsewhere. However, that said, that's the worst. I agree with you. That's, that's the worst part of the movie. It feels like that's the thing they just couldn't resolve. Right. When making the movie, however, it works in the sense that at the end of the day, what drop dead gorgeous is about is about God helping Amber Atkins through life. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Yeah, it's true. I mean, he look at every single thing that Amber avoids, yeah. right? She's not home when the house explodes. So she's fine. She trades numbers with that sign, the girl who loves sign language, the light falls on her head. She doesn't get hit in the head and she's not taken out. It's true. She then gets second place in the competition. Becky gets first place because they cheat. Becky dies on the swan float. The swan ate my baby. Then she, she goes like shellfish. She doesn't like shellfish because <laughs> you never eat anything that carries around its house because you don't know the last time it was cleaned. <laughs> she's the only one who doesn't get food poisoning. So she Big wins again. Line. Then when the comp- the competition is canceled, when the pageant is shut down because Mount Rose goes out of business, she is being attacked by Gladys Lehman. She, another person gets shot who is the reporter covering it. 
she picks up the microphone. Every single part of yeah. Amber's life is God stepping in to keep her safe <laughs> mm-hmm. and keep yeah. her on her path to her chosen destiny. So really what I'm telling you is Drop Dead Gorgeous is the most successful Christian film that was made <laughs> since the dawn of yeah. cinema. And I'll, something to I'll, that. I'll make, I mean, I'll make a, a Jason yeah. point to that. Uh-huh. The only way to get out of a situation like the situation Amber was in is through divine intervention. Absolutely. They're, they're yes. absolutely making yes. that point that, it, for, yeah. for a girl like Amber to become Diane Sawyer, every little yep. fucking obstacle has to be divinely intervened. Yeah. Intervened? No, sure. there's a word. Divinely avoided. Whatevs. Yeah. Um, so I had a rough a day, couple, guys. <laughs> there's a couple things I'll tell I, you about I, I wanted to on a bonus episode. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Uh, I want to talk just a little bit about the jawbreaker of it all because yeah. the, the, the director of that film, uh, Darren Stein, was interviewed in this piece in BuzzFeed as well where he talks about, I think all cult movies have something that is intrinsically transgressive about them. They go to a place the regular that regular studio films don't go. They're usually darker, edgier, more forbidden. People collect these films uh, that have these dark elements that they enjoy. It's a truth-telling in a way that you don't see in a lot of films. People have dark fantasies in high school and as an adult, they can actually live out those fantasies in, uh, those fantasies in cinematic form. I think that there is obviously a connection between sort of the Heathers, the Jawbreakers, the the Drop Dead Gorgeouses of the world. Um, I think this movie strives for something a little bit more intellectual or at least a little bit more sort of richer than what Jawbreaker is really talking about, which feels a little bit more in the lane of, of Heathers the, than this does. This movie also has its sights set on the correct targets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas Jawbreaker only works if you view it from a distance. Right. Yeah. The more cl- the closer you get to it, the more you realize we're just killing kids. I mean, so, and, and the other, yeah. I mean, listen, and I really like Jawbreaker. I think it's fun, and I remember seeing it. I can tell you what theater, like, I did enjoy it. But the problem with Jawbreaker is it actually makes you like Rose McGowan too much to truly root for her downfall in the way you need to for the resolution to feel deserved or yeah. you know it's funny like it's crazy Rebecca Gayhart gets her like they're fucking bitches it's great but I actually really like Rose McGowan's character in that film like I find Courtney really like gross and awful but like in a charming kind of way and I think yeah. what this movie does is I'd never like Gladys and Becky. Like I want them to fail the entire time. So when they do, I feel like we, the audience, yeah. the, the Amber, you know, acolytes have won. Good for Christy Alley for that performance. Oh, it's an amazing performance. Yeah, not really not. Oh, it's fun am- to do. No, I'm sure she's a total asshole. Like, I mean, look at Christy Alley's life. She's an asshole, but she's yeah. great in this. And in Cheers. Yes. And I mean, maybe and she wasn't in summer even- school. And then whole end in the, the look who's talking, the look who's talking series. She's yeah. Kirstie Alley. She's, like, she's, she's good in this. She does what she does. She does it really well. Yeah. She she commits to the bit. She, I was going to oh. say she gives herself to. She, gives herself she really completely. does. And so you have to. Commit there, to that. There's a weird Kirstie Alley movie I watched growing a lot. I watched a lot growing up. I think with John Larroquette called Madhouse. Yeah, I watched yeah. that. That has that a movie. similar trajectory where she gets progressively more insane as the movie goes on. Yeah. And I feel like maybe that's the key to a successful Kirstie Alley performance is just letting her Madness. be herself. <laughs> yeah. She's willing to go there. <laughs> she is willing to. And I mean, it's, it's a pretty terrible role. And by that, I mean, she's a terrible, terrible character. character. Oh yeah. And you, if you don't commit to it, it won't work at all. I mean, even just the way like she lustily looks at that that oh. one boy that that the 
What's his name? Uh, Tommy the- or something. I gotta tell you, another one of my most quoted lines, she stares at his dick when he's in his wrestling slinglet yeah. and as he walks away, she goes, hey to the folks. It's so creepy. <laughs> it's but like, so but I use it, weird. I think it in my head all <laughs> hey the time. The but, my, but my most quoted Kirstie Alley line from this movie, which will, I hope for everyone who loves the film and for both of you become common nomenclature, when they're in the very, very beginning, when they're in the Mall of America parking lot and she almost runs over the priest, yep. she goes, hello, father. Sidewalks? Sidewalks? <laughs> I don't. It's... And every time I see someone being an asshole crossing oh, the no. street, I'm always like, hello, father. Sidewalks? How it's, she's great. did they she's great. write Honestly, that fucking line? It's so I good. I couldn't imagine. Don't they throw shade at him for being Oh, yeah, drunk? drunk. And she goes, well, that's why we Lutherans use grape juice for the body of Christ. <laughs> oh. Like, it's, cr- yeah. I mean, yeah. it's, it's packed. crazy. It's packed. Really it really is. I mean, and not to get too far into this, but when you really look at it, when you really, you know, watch the movie over and over and over there are very few wasted lines in this film. Like there is a lot of work being done by almost every piece of dialogue in some way, shape or form. Again, a testament to the director who knew going in, he's like, I don't want this movie to be over 90 minutes. He kept it tight Tight. and lean. I mean, I think that that's again, why the movie works. And also, I mean, we've talked about this a fair amount, but movies were appropriate likes in 1999 for the most part. You know, you had movies that I was just talking to, uh, to someone today about it, about how like every movie today is over two hours. It feels like unnecessarily. So these movies new length, a 90 minute movie is a great length for a movie. Um, and this it's, it's perfect. Uh, Gavin Plone says something else that's interesting about this film, which is that it's inspired Gilmore girls Mm. in a weird way. He, or maybe not weird. He found himself, uh, intrigued by the complicated mother-daughter relationships in the movie. Uh, so much so that he brought it up to Amy Sherman Palladino, and we have Gilmore Girls because of it, in a weird tangential way. Um, I'm going to read one last quote from the director before we get into the plot, because I feel like, you know, an hour and 20 minutes feels like a good time to start talking about the plot of this movie. Okay, <laughs> let's breeze through it. Uh, yeah. Um, as a 26-year-old director, I was like, I just want it to be super fucking funny, and I want it to be menacingly subversive, and it's both of those things, Jan said. Uh, a rare hint of enthusiasm for Drop to Gorgeous creeping into his voice. Success ordinarily means it met or exceeded your expectations, and I think if you have a little 13-year-old goth girl alive in your heart, you know that this is the movie for her, then this movie will exceed your expectations. And I think that is kind of the perfect way of looking at this film, at least for him, a guy who probably still feels a little burned by this movie when it sure. comes to his future career, obviously. Um, so well, it must suck to make a fucking masterpiece <laughs> and have people not really to feel the appreciation un, it un, like ununderstood in your time. Yeah. yeah. And we've seen that a bunch. We have people who have made masterpiece ish things yeah. Who deserve? Look, I mean, I, you know, we we feel the way we feel about Jaw Jawbreaker, but yeah. that guy's very similar, right? Mid twenties, yeah. makes really a really subversive movie, mm-hmm. and he never got another chance. Mm-hmm. And he probably sits at home being like, "Don't you see what I fucking gave you?" Yeah. While the guy who made American Pie, which is a deep and pile of shit, <laughs> is a fucking hundred millionaire now. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's. Do- I mean, I think. I think it's. To, to speak to your earlier point about sort of like the great little gems that exist in 99, and there are lots of them, and obviously we'll continue to dive into them, but Ravenous being a perfect example of that, and looking at how Antonia Bird sweeps into this movie that's being directed by another person that's having a, a plagued production, and not only does she come out of it 
I think, and make a great fucking movie out of it. But then like her career goes nowhere. Like it's, yeah. it's just, it's, it's just, it's a bummer. I mean, you know, I, quickly on that point, mm-hmm. I, when I interviewed uh, Deborah Kaplan and Harry Elfon, who not only did Can't Hardly Wait, but then Josie and the Pussycats, Pussycats yeah. you know, they totally said exactly what you guys are talking about. They're like, it feels weird when you know, you've made something yep. great and people just don't get it. They're like, yep. but the thing that is better than immediate success is spending the next 15 years having people come up and tell you how much they love your film. Because I think it means something different to you when the world doesn't appreciate it, but the, every single person you meet is like, here's why your movie is meaningful to me. And it, and people love that movie through and through, as opposed to, you know, a big successful movie where like people come up to you or whatever and say how much they, you know, I, I do think, to that point too, because unfortunately, Josie and the Pussycats had a similar effect on their career, which is they didn't go on no. to direct much, they which is also a real really bummer. did not work for like a long time. And that movie is obviously is fantastic, super weird because yeah. they're but they genius. had a similar situation. Josie and the Pussycats and this movie had a similar situation. I mean, so, slightly similar, but in the fact that they did not have the support marketing wise from Absolutely. the studio that they were being released through. This movie, Gavin Plone talks about in that article very interestingly about how. He looks at it very pragmatically now from his, you know, he's yeah. very rich, so what does he care? But from his Ivory wherever. Castle. Yeah. He he talks a little bit about how the movie was pre-sold in a lot of markets, right? So they had already made back the majority of their budget for the most part. So the thought process was why invest more money in a marketing campaign in the chance that it is going to be successful. Now, Josie and the Pussycats, I think the Universal thought that they had something here, but they also didn't really know what to do with it. They released it in March. They mistakes were made but this movie i think was specifically kind of just ignored just ignored and kind of dumped and in the summer too like that's a tough movie to release in the summer well i mean think about it like this i mean 1999 what are your options for promotion at that point right you can go on trl you can have billboards and you can have tv ads and you can get like a page in ew but like that's it there's nothing else so to have not a marketing spend behind your film yeah. means no one knows it exists. Absolutely. Also, I would say one other thing about it. Yep. Um, topic of beauty pageants, alienating for straight men. Yep. I never would have seen it for that one reason. Um, this particular portrayal of beauty pageants, alienating for straight girls. So yeah, this is a, a lot tough, of straight it's girls. A, this is a tough right? movie. For sure. So you're really looking at fringe audiences Anyway, totally. So I think that that's. You I know, think they just recognized and they took that. They basically made a calculated judgment, and they're like, "There's no scenario in which we appeal to enough people that it's worth putting a huge marketing push yeah. behind this film." And they also just, you know, you they still co- made they made their money back too. Mm-hmm. They did. I think it was mm-hmm. 10, 10 to 15 budget, 10 something. No, the budget was 15. It made 10.5, but that's, mm-hmm. I mean, and then yeah, I have I'm spent sure $5 million yeah. in the last <laughs> 20 years buying DVDs and just talking about it. If my words I, were currency, made its money back. No, I no. Truthfully, I think that this movie has through apparently $60 DVDs on Amazon. I'm sure that it's doing quite well, but I do think that I don't I, think that's going to the studio. I don't either. I think it's like some I, guy in a basement. I, it's me. <laughs> I do think that the careers of the people in this movie were also at such an early stage too. Like Kirsten Dunst wasn't Kirsten Dunst yet. You know, uh, Denise Richards was sort of kind of, but I mean, they really. were hanging their hat on Kirstie Alley. I feel like yeah. it's like a selling yeah. point. Yeah. So we should and, talk and about the plot Ellen of this movie. Barkin, who was fourth build or second build, actually, I believe she was second she build. Was second build. And not really in this movie. No. But She's I mean, like what, a perf- like what a weird performance. Yeah, what like, a performance. How, like this is what I would actually love to know. I would never interview Ellen Barkin because that terrifies me. Um, I mean, let's be honest. Like, she's amazing, but so I've heard. very scary. Yes. I, but I would love to know at what, like, what it was when you read this script, right? Yeah. That made you say, like, I want to play that role because you get 
blown out of a house. You get burned. You have a can stuck to your hand. Awesome. Amazing. That, I mean, that, that prosthetic is terrifying. Terrifying. You then spend though. an entire sequence drugged up with your legs open and a person between them. Then you get your hand cut off. You have a hook for a hand, which you use yeah. to open beer cans. Like, yeah, I know. I get it, but. Ellen Barkin circa 1998. Weird, like weird. what? So I was going to say, what yeah. made you say like, Oh, this feels like a great choice for me she's right now. The greatest now. fucking actress of all time. I know. But Except for Angela she's Jolie, but it's great. I mean, what, I'm, what, I'm what jo- performances are you pointing to as the greatest? Uh, Diner? Diner, Sea of Love. Really like, um, okay. I like both, this. Both great movies. She's, I mean, uh, I don't dislike. Ocean's 13. Wow. Actually, I'm a movie I hate. I, I don't think she, I don't think she, I do. I really don't like that movie. I don't think she's the greatest actress of all time. Yeah. I think she's, she's uh, great, I think she's a great actress. Yeah. Uh, so the movie opens with a commercial for the Sarah Rose pageant, um, a fictional pageant. I, right. I don't yes, know. No, I mean, yes. Okay. It's fictional. Um, <laughs> at, at the end of the movie, they kill the whole company. Oh, that's right. That's one of the best images in the movie, right? Them, the, all them those beauty queens are fucking like going to town on that. And it's we fantastic. just did the whole plot of the movie. Yeah. Zero to <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's like a bookend. Yeah. I mean, people can fill it in the middle. Yeah. I mean, the movie opens with a commercial. There's not a tremendous amount of plot in this movie, quite honestly. Uh, there's, you know, we meet our contestants, one of which I literally wrote, wow, that's a very young Amy Adams because I had never... I mean, I didn't know yeah. that she was in this movie. Uh, we get introduced to our contestants. Uh, Kirsten Dunst plays Amber. Denise Richards plays Becky. Brittany Murphy plays Lisa. Amy Adams plays Leslie. Um, and it's, it's as we've said, it's a mockumentary, a lot of talking heads, a lot of people sort of introducing themselves and their various situations. The Asian parents legit made me uncomfortable, though. But only now. You would have loved yeah, it in 99. I mean, maybe. Back when you were a racist. <laughs> um, I will say the the, dude, the one thing I do love about the Asian parents is the scene towards the end. I I know we're like not even talking about the fine. plot at yeah, all at I mean, this point, really, kind of but funny. like when they go to the actual pageant and it's the the mother and the father and they have the white daughter on their shirt and they're so excited yeah. and their actual Asian yeah, daughter standing behind them. Yeah. She's like, "You guys, let's." Yeah. I just I think that was such an interesting choice that they love American culture yeah. so much that they have completely alienated their actual biological daughter. I believe that was a reshoot too, by the way. Oh, interesting. Um, in this article, uh, they were like, you know, what we don't have a racist Asian. <laughs> <laughs> no, part of it was that they, they want the, the uh, young Asian actress was apparently a very big deal in either China or Japan. Oh my God. And they thought that the film might actually do better in Asian markets by, by, by giving her that meaty two scene, by nothing. making her a punchline. Wow. So yeah. they slotted her in there essentially. And that's, the you know, I would like to say that we've come a long way, but I have seen the way Hollywood has used fan Bing Bing over the last three years. And I know that mm-hmm. is not the case or, uh, or, um, Oh my God, why am I drawing a blank on her name? Bai Ling. Bai Ling. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Uh, who it's, is great in Anne and the King. No, I know, but like, look what they've done. I never thought I was like, ever going to see. But like, Iron Man three was it? No, one of the Avengers films, right? Like, literally, like shoehorn Fan Bingbing in yes, there, yes. so she could just like promo the film in Asia. Yeah, and that happened in two other movies too. Like it, like. I would love to say what Drop Dead Gorgeous did was yeah. gross and so of its and time, it's but I mean, it happened it's three happening years already. ago. And, and I, I mean, there's there's people that believe that you know. Um, Oh my to, God, Rose in Last Jedi was was an attempt at that as well. I thought she was great in the movie, but I do no. think that there were some people that felt like they were trying to get into to get Star Wars to break through in right. Asia, which 
I mean, I would like to believe there's Asian people in the future, so I support Star I Wars. I certainly think that that feels, feels to put people reasonable. of every. But she's and she's fantastic in the movie, and I think she's an American actress. That's so. Of course, yeah. She is. That's so I, cynical. I know, but you know what? The great Dude, thing, the I thing. I mean, listen, no, if we've I'm, learned nothing else, it is that the Star Wars fandom is not a good group. Yeah, of not a group. I mean, they're bad people. Um, I want to uh, make a couple points about the movie. Okay, go, go, go. One. Three years after JonBenet Ramsey. Another reason why this may not have gone so well. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't realize I not thought about that. Yeah, just like that was yeah. that was the that yeah. was a big the, the biggest yeah yeah. And then there was child the- pageant moment mm-hmm. in America's consciousness at the time. So I think, and plus, this movie is like explicitly about killing child right. pageant con- contestants. So I think that might have been. And there was the the Holly Hunter HBO movie the about the cheer, uh, the cheerleader oh, mom the, the crazy the true Texas like cheerleader yeah yeah had like that that, which was based on a true story as well. Yeah. Right. And I actually don't know it, but I'm a cheerleader is about. I assume there's murder. In the- uh, no, no, but I'm a cheerleader is a movie gay. about finding your sexuality. Uh, <laughs> a lesbian cheerleader. What are you going to do? It's actually great. Is that ninety nine? No. Oh, that's so good. And yeah. then the other interesting thing just for us is <laughs> just for us at this table, just to yeah, just to date when we're doing this episode. Yeah. This is a week after the Miss America pageant got rid of the swimsuit competition True. and ha- and announced that we'll no longer be judging looks. Right. Um, yeah. It's no longer judging based on looks. So if, if just, why don't we just, just pack the whole thing up a little bit? I mean, no, I, there I, are mean other re- I know there are other reasons to, Think let a woman me, is worthy me, of the title of Miss Let me rephrase Phil. what I'm saying. I'm speaking. Unbelievable. Okay, you, you can you can stop your fit. Shame. Uh, I will say this. My point is, I'm not really. Of you. What? Nothing. Ahead. I'm just not sure. Ultimately, what beauty contests help in any way, shape, or form. I don't think that it's. I don't think that it's a particularly helpful thing in general. Sure. And I think that by removing the things that, quite frankly, are probably why it's they successful exist. on television, well, or even to the, me, the, the feels reason, like maybe we should for just. Being. That's and point. obviously, Miss America is dealing is dealing with that exact issue in yes. a very weird way. And I don't give them any credit well, for it. the Trump of it all with the Miss America too, that's, which is taint, that's tainted. That's Miss USA. But, but you understand. It all, but it all is going to Yeah, but the whole thing is very, <laughs> Miss, I mean, it's, it's a kind of a weird little moment that this movie is a very explicit argument against beauty pageants. Yeah. And 20 years later, 19 years later, um, they got the message. Yeah. See, so, uh, really brought it all home. So there's some there's some talking head Nate, stuff right now. Uh, Amber has an amazing line when they're interviewing her. I feel like all of Amber's talking head yeah. stuff in the early, first like 40 minutes or so are fantastic. But at one point she just says, "I love dreams." <laughs> I mean, I mean, she's so earnest and genuine. Fleetwood Mac song, of course. It's she is great. I mean, it's, just like the way so she talks great. about Diane Sawyer yes. and just like that yeah. idealistic, like that is also something that's really nice about Amber. Like she does remind me what it felt like to be 17 years old and think mm-hmm. anything was possible yeah. as opposed to now. There's also just like, I love that she works in the cafeteria yeah. kitchen. Like she and just feels morgue, like it's yeah. like the worst of the worst. Yeah. It's the worst of the but worst. Is, does it with a smile happily, like is, is sweating with a hairnet oh. in, the, in the kitchen and is, Gorgeous, yeah, and obviously the football player, the quarterback, falls for, her and oh, that is why he gets shot. I'm right. assuming, but it, yep, it's all just really. I don't know. She just she absolutely luminescent. She just yeah. absolutely jumps off the screen. And and like we said before, she gets great in the comedy. There's that scene right after the you know she drives around the the hearse, and yeah. there's that great line after. The house explodes and her mother is being taken to the hospital where she's like, Oh, I love you. I love you. And the mom's getting taken away in the ambulance. She goes, I'll be behind you in the hearse. And 
and Allison Jenny goes, don't let that worry you. (laughs) (laughs) It's just, it's just like she, they nail the complete dryness of the movie. Like they're like you were saying before, like there's so many tones and there's so much thematic juggling that goes on that they really just get right. And to that point too, I, I, I wrote down Amber seems pretty blase about the quarterback's death. And you kind of have to do that. Like if this movie stops yeah. for a second, it's kind of like a shark where if it doesn't keep moving it, and, and doesn't keep the jokes totally. coming, it, yeah. it just, it absolutely dies. And you know, that's one of the things that I think is great. Uh, Amber's house burns down. Ellen Barkin's burnt hand holding the beer can is obviously absolutely amazing. Uh, Amber thinks about dropping out of the pageant, but her mom convinces her to stay in. Um, the judge keeps calling the girls, the young girls. <laughs> It's yeah, bring like out the young girls. Bring out the, the, young girls. the contestants. It's just fantastic. Yeah. Uh, I also said Brittany Murphy is in a different movie, but I totally watch it. And I do kind of feel like she's in a different well, movie. Well, the thing is, but I think that kind of works because Brittany Murphy in her mind lives in New York in this film, right? So, yes, like, that yes, to yes, me yes. is yeah. what it happened. Like, she doesn't live yeah. in this town. She doesn't live in this small city. She lives in New York yeah. with her brother. I don't feel that she's in a different movie because she's not the only sore thumb. There's the actress girl yes. who's a sore thumb. Right. There's the adopted girl who's a real weird sore thumb. So yeah. There's the, the fifth girl you see in the movie who's oh. like obsessed with her they dog. They really oh. are an island of misfit toys. Tess, right? who does have another one of my favorite lines, when they're doing the actual parade with wearing their Amer I can <laughs> iconography. I was literally just going to say that's oh maybe the most, one of the most iconic images it's from the movie. so good. And she has the, the Richard, ball Richard, with Richard, the yeah. faces. It's amazing. And she, the Tess has the ball of twine. Oh my God. And she goes, I think I, I misunderstood the assignment. <laughs> as, as it flows off of her head. It's you so guys, funny. I just, I'm so happy you've both really responded <laughs> so to this movie in a way I hoped you would have. I mean, that, I, I, again, this, this comes back to somehow things being in my consciousness, that having not seen yeah. this film, but, but Denise Richards with, oh, yeah. with, uh, Mount Rushmore. Yep. Yes. That's like I've the still. Seen- is it the still? Yeah, I yeah, feel yeah. like I've seen that picture. It a was. It's, times. it's that, and it's all of them on the chairs doing like the routine, yeah. and then it's of course. And I cannot believe we are one hour and thirty five minutes into this, <laughs> and we have not discussed Denise Richards singing "I Can't Take My Eyes Off of You" to Jesus, to Jesus. <laughs> and with, with the Velcro <laughs> on the cross. Yeah, it's fantastic. I mean, and then like it's walking fantastic. him yeah. off like the last temptation yeah. of Christ. Yeah. It's she yeah, can't it's really with sing him either. On, with it's him great. on her back. No, it's, just, it's fantastic. It's phenomenal. It's just like a series of increasingly absurd and insane but that's also to your earlier point like Denise Richards doing that scene now would be far too aware of what she was like I think in this moment you mean Denise Richards or a Denise Richards type no, I mean Denise Richards, right? Oh, well, now. then forget Denise Richards. I, I mean, think but, even a Denise Richards sure, type would be right. in on the joke yeah. a little bit. This, to me, she seems like woefully yeah. unaware of yeah. what she's doing that somehow makes the joke sing. Absolutely. Um, no well, pun intended. Well, it's that's just, I mean, fantastic. That in and of itself is the difference between this and Guffman. Sure. Every joke in Guffman was 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 punctuated with a wink. Mm-hmm. There are no winks in this no. movie. Right. I, I respect that a lot. I more. respect it's it very, too. It's I very think it's great. Uh, so we then get, uh, obviously the beauty queen being wielded on the stage, lip syncing in a wig. It's crazy. Uh, Soylent green <laughs> scene, which is phenomenal. Uh, Denise Richards singing, you're just good, too good to be true about Jesus. Uh, 
I, the music during Kirsten's tap dance yeah. routine is a little strange. I'm not sure that the music cue completely jives. I remember being exhilarated by her tap routine, but I She's, I feel like you don't need the music, but I feel like they were just trying to get like an energy up. Tapping yeah. is hard. I watched So You Thinking You Dance. Tapping's hard. I don't doubt that tapping's hard. I, I feel like they would have been better off with a with a needle drop of some sort sure. than, than a very strange kind of orchestral yeah. ramp up thing that uh, it's a little it's a little think. point but I'm just saying that okay. it, it kind I of I don't think that was now you you can correct me if I'm wrong I don't think that was mostly her tapping Oh, it was really? almost none. It was almost none. Well, I mean, you said tapping is hard, but not for a professional. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no, no. What I mean is, like, I think it's actually really hard to make tap dancing seem interesting, right? Or yeah. seem, sure, seem sure, powerful. Sure. Sure. Not that the physical act of tap dancing right. is hard, that when you film it, it yeah. lacks some of the excitement I think you would get from ballet or yeah. from, you know, mm-hmm. contemporary dance. Or Clearly, you've hip-hop. ever seen Elizabeth Town. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> Anywho, Anywho. Uh, Kirsten gets second place, Denise Richards gets first place, uh, and uh, the giant swan float fucking explodes and kills Denise Richards. Mm-hmm. I mean, I honestly, when the explosion happened, I turned to my roommate, my roommate who, by the way, also said that Denise Richards looks like Pennywise, which oh I think God. is amazing. I mean, I Throughout guess Throughout the whole film or just on the just float? At the, just at the beginning. Okay. But, um, oh, yeah, I can see that. A little bit. She, just her, she does have a... Gigantic Giant smile. She has a face. huge mouth. Uh, Again, Maxim. Yeah, well, yeah, I, yeah. This is what I mean. Uh, By the way, she, she. I couldn't believe she was dead. Like, I thought, oh, the explosion, we're going to get to see her. Another like, burned ever. person, yeah. yeah you know, <laughs> I believed it in this movie. Yeah. No, I, I wasn't did, shy I, about it. It was killing was, people. Sure. When the explosion happened, I thought to myself, did they? Right. And they're like, mm, they did, there's they did. An, I mean, there's. Another trumping thing I want to point out. This yeah. fucking movie, this is where the movie should have ended. But the movie ends with a parade. Just like this motherfucker yes. wants to do a parade. Yeah. Also, every year the theme of this pageant is American. Ameri- uh, American or by American. Yeah. Yeah. Which leads to one of the great lines because fucking Denise Richards dies. They put yeah. her in the ground and the priest goes... Perhaps this is just a lesson that we should all buy American because it's it was like so a Taiwanese float. Good. It's like yeah. it's so yeah. like it's, it's yeah. so funny, but but yeah, this is this is a Trump. This is a MAGA blueprint, mm-hmm. right? This is it re- is a little bit. It, it is. is. It is. It I is. mean, I see it's a, hard not to see it, it through wor- that. Lens it actually now. works better in real life than it even does in the movie. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I do genuinely believe that currently the character Will Sasso played is in the Trump administration. <laughs> that's, a, that's a safe assumption. Yeah, I feel like that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I, I, I do, I absolutely agree with you, Kenny. And when the movie was over, I, I couldn't help but think to myself, like, this definitely feels like yeah. a commentary of something very different at the time that is now, as we see it through a very different lens, you can't help but be like, Ooh, okay. Um, but I also feel like, you know, if if Trump is the allegory here of Denise Richards, let's just you know hope that a swan blows up soon. Yes. Um, get up, Becky. We have to go to state. Amazing. So um, swan ate my baby. I said I've never seen a swan and not said the swan ate my baby. <laughs> like <laughs> like the actual animal, a swan. Yeah, sure. Yes, understandable. Uh, we talked about the puke thing. I, I don't. I just first of all, I just. I'm, puke is gross. It's never a funny joke to sure. me. It feels like a go-to. Has it ever been a funny joke? Like, can you think of one time you liked it? <sighs> stand by me. I literally that's the only one yeah, that comes to mind. That's the first I one. Hated I hated it in stand. I mean, by I me. don't it's like so it in stand by me. Gross. Well, because it's I, this is a thing. I, 
Stephen King has a thing about puking, clearly. Yeah. He has a thing about bodily fluids, clearly. Yes. And there's a lot of that in his work. So I wasn't surprised, obviously, that, it was, that it's in Stand By Me and that it has such a visceral, violent quality to it. Maybe Witches of Eastwick. Oh, the cherries. The cherries. I, I, I honestly think the best puking scene I've ever seen was in Detroit Rock City. <laughs> it's the, it's have the, you seen Detroit Rock yeah, City? Yeah, but like one that time. When it's, one of the, it's one of the worst reviews we've, we've yeah. given. It's one of yeah. the lowest ratings I've given. Yeah. But there's this crazy <laughs> puke scene he does, where yeah. he pukes in. It's into Edward a, Furlong. Into like a pukes into a pitcher and fills it up halfway and then pukes again to fill it up. Oh. <laughs> and then puts it on a waiter's tray. It just works oh. perfectly. It's oh, this really it's well, weird thing. It's well done, I guess. Oh. I will, I will offer you a puke that I actually think you may like. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that might be the line of the Look podcast ever. Is a you can use puke sales over here. <laughs> <laughs> Let me get you into an 89 strawberry <laughs> red puke. <laughs> I, I think I have the answer to, I think I have the answer to your question, Kenny, about like, what has there ever been a good puke scene? Yeah. Ari Grainer in Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist. Yeah, she's quite good. Is that what she pulls? The yeah. When she throws up into the toilet and takes the much. gum back it's out and much. puts it in her mouth she's so much. fucked up. That I'm just the, saying, that, that, that one is, works for me. That's a pretty much. forgettable movie, but oh, she's good in that wait, movie. Ari Grainer has out. never been nothing but amazing it's in true. everything. She's like straight up a young Allison Janney. Oh, okay. She's very, I, she's her career good. is going to go and people go love her in. Uh, I'm dying up there. I, I, I could not get through that show. Yeah, yeah, I could not get through that. Not show. her people fault. Really like her. Yeah. Uh, Amber wins because everyone pukes. Uh, <laughs> basically, I so I got my job and I'll they all. <laughs> Boy, that's a good one. Yeah, um, well, I had to put it in somewhere. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so when they get to the Sarah Rose, so basically all the contestants are, are driven to the Sarah Rose thing, which has been shut down for tax evasion, and the girls destroy the building. And I was like, "This is the perfect end of the movie." Yeah, this is the mic drop. And then they go back for one more. I wonder whether or not, and I get why they do what they do, which is Kirstie Alley gets out of jail. She, she's in a police standoff. She shoots a reporter and Amber steals the mic and becomes a, uh, a reporter. I get why they wanted that. Cause it, you needed Amber arc. to win. You needed, you needed Amber, Amber to win, win, but I wonder, and maybe this is just me. And, and this is just cause I, I think it really like, speaks to Jarrett's his macro yeah, yeah, yeah. point about God. I'm not even kidding. No, but. for sure. But I, I would say that if it was me, what I would have done is ended on that image and then start rolling your credits. And then, and then you see Amber as she becomes a, a you know what I mean? Like she gets yeah. the win because that image of them tearing apart the building is phenomenal. That's the, that's the I, movie. I agree. Tearing down the patriarchy. Yeah, yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. I, and I agree with you, but I think, and I hear what you're saying, yeah. but I think, you know, you have to, I don't know. Whenever, whenever I feel like there's like a scene in the credits, right? I'm like, this is actually not part of the film. I know, I know. And I think at the end of the day, for the movie to be <laughs> successful in its in its thesis, sure. Which you know there are many, but I really do think at the end of the day, like the thesis is kind of what you opened by saying, which is that line about you know I didn't want to win like this. Yeah. Good things happen to good people. Yeah. Really, no, you're just lucky as hell. Enjoy so it. enjoy it. Yeah. That's what this movie is about. And that movie is about Amber being lucky or blessed by God. And you need that final button of her attaining her dream through the exact same means she attained everything else so far by being a good person who led with her heart by caring for other people, by being genuinely selfless and kind. And you will be eventually rewarded, you know, by an 
Asian woman being murdered by Chris Yali. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's Fingers crossed. Yeah, but it's still the stands. aristocrats. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I always say the aristocrats. <laughs> um, <laughs> so should we rate this? Zero to ninety-nine. Oh yeah, I'd love to. I've been waiting all night. So. I don't know if you know how this goes, but basically a long story short for the people that don't know, we do zero to 99 on this show. Uh, we want you to rank it from zero to 99 from if you saw it in 99, you did, we did not. So you can do that. Then we want you to rank it before the podcast and then rank it after the podcast. My guess is that you guys will be pretty similar. Um, we shall see. What did you think in 99? I, I want to say in 99, I mean, I liked it enough to watch it 75 times and like sure. it more each time. So I'm going to start with like a very conservative, like 80 Okay, mm-hmm. so that's where you were in 99. That's where I was in 99. And, and where were you pre-podcast? I mean, 98. It's like Lawrence no, I gotta Arabia. tell you, I really feel like I've thought more about this movie in a way I haven't before. I'm at 99 now. Wow. I mean, I love when shit. a guest comes in with a 99. Yeah, I, 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 I love it really too. Uh, yeah. I'm going to say it. I also feel like very validated in my choice, which is helping the 99. No, for yeah, sure. So. And you are completely validated in your choice. Thank you. Uh, so Why I'm don't a, you go first? Yeah, yeah okay. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> pre-podcast, mm-hmm. I give this film a 70. Okay. Now, it's actually better than I would have expected. I, I, I liked it a and lot. I, I know what good. a 70 from you means, and that's actually pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty solid. Yeah. Uh, post-podcast, I'm giving it an 89. Okay. I feel, Holy shit. I feel great about that. I feel, I feel like you guys have really turned me around on it. Yes. The jokes that didn't play for me as well as I was watching, <laughs> as I was watching it, there were just, I, it's, I don't know if it's a distance thing and it's not to be agreeable. I have been on the past and at, there have been guests that I have been agreeable, but I will say legitimately that you guys just sort of turned me around on, on just a lot of the jokes and also just in how I would also say too, that the research I did on this film was prior to or post watching the film. So there was a bunch of stuff that I read about it that also changed mm. my mind, specifically that article, yeah. which really kind of did a deep dive into it. So I, I'm that's, that's where I'm at. It's a pretty big jump. I, I am excited. It's that might huge, be my biggest jump. It's a so huge far. jump for yeah. you. It's a huge jump because even more so than movies that went from below yeah. 50 to above 50. Yeah. 89 <laughs> is rarefied air. Yeah. Um, so much so it's higher than what I had it coming into oh, this podcast. Wow. Okay. I did 87, which I thought was really great. Okay. Yeah. I really did. I was like yeah. 87 and the only guy I read it right after I watched it. And the only reason was I was truly like, I wish this movie ended when Becky died. Right. It felt like the yeah. right ending to me. Well, the movie does feel um, over at that point. Yes. It, the movie has six endings. And I know it's the like, return of the king of yeah. teen. Uh, and, yeah. and like, uh, the Sarah Rose, Tear down the patriarchy yes. ending is good. Yes. But you have to kind of wade through miles shit together. Okay. <laughs> um, or puke. Puke, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, Phil, it just is a, so annoying to me because I really wanted to like blow you out of the water. <laughs> I can't. I, yeah. 92 is where I'm ending. That's 92 a, that's is a fucking, that's a high number. 92 dude. is where I was going before your crazy ass 89 I didn't wow. see coming. 
Um, I thought we might get you to the eighties, but yeah. eighty nine, like yeah. ninety two, like this is this That's is a, yeah. a real. Yeah. I expect to have ten movies over ninety five, but this is a real deal contender yeah. for end of the year top ten. I am. Yeah, this is a, it's a really good one, guys. Guys, I got to tell you, I really did not expect to come in here and find such allies <laughs> in this. I did not come in here and expect to get such high numbers. And yeah. you know what that really tells me? At the end of the day, Jesus loves winners. <laughs> what I've learned. It's true. It's what I've learned. Um, What do we got? So next week we're doing Virgin Suicides Mm -hmm. with um, one of Kenny and my favorite people in Los Angeles. She's the best. She is. Uh, Alison Akel of of Shondaland fame, I guess we could say. She's an executive over there. Yeah. I mean, she's... Her name is probably on a lot of shows right now. A lot of shows right now. Very. Yeah. And and about to be a lot more. About to be a lot more. She she owns 30% of Netflix, I think. (laughs) I, I agree. That's just a guess. Yeah, that's. I mean, that feels fair. Um, feels like a reasonable guess. We're and we're going Kirsten Dunst. Kirsten Dunst. We are going. I didn't even realize that. That's yeah, all right. Yeah. Whatever. It's, it's a Kirsten Dunst. It's fest. a Kirsten Dunst fest. Yeah. What was the first Kirsten Dunst? Because there were Dick. three this year. Dick. That's right. Three solid movies, by the way. Three solid movies. Kirsten Dunst killing it in '99. What's your Kirsten Dunst power ranking of '99? Can we do that right now? Sure. Why not? Uh, Power ranking. I mean, I gotta go. Virgin Suicides, then Drop Dead Gorgeous, then Dick. But there, I mean, truthfully, Dick and Drop Dead Gorgeous are pretty fucking close in my mind. So I go Drop Dead Gorgeous, the movie. Really? Just, of course. Well, the, I gave it. What did I just give? I don't know. We're recording these so out of order. I couldn't even tell. I believe I gave it a ninety-five, <laughs> um, or something near something there. In, something something, high, something in, in that yeah. neighborhood. And um, I love this. You literally just heard, the listeners yeah. literally just heard the grade I gave it. Yeah. Um, and yet <laughs> we have no idea what we're it is. shitheads. <laughs> uh, Drop dead, gorgeous dick, virgin suicides. Really? really yeah. Yeah. You'll, Holy you'll, shit! You'll, you'll, you'll hear next week the way I feel about it. Oh, that's true. Yeah. I feel, yeah. I feel more I, I, goodish. Yeah, I mean, you guys will hear goodish. next week on uh, on podcasts like 1999. I'm not saying How the movie really about. I'm not saying the movie's goodish. I'm saying I feel goodish. I don't know what that I think, means. Well, I think the movie's excellent. It's just I. <laughs> yes, I want I, you to listen to the podcast to hear my true feelings. I, I mean, Virgin Suicides is a very, very, very good movie that I think my esteem for it has grown over the years, mm-hmm. um, especially in comparison to, and just sort of seeing the oeuvre that is Sophia Coppola and the mm-hmm. career that has blossomed out of that movie. Uh, this movie has aged incredibly well. Um, anyway, Alison Akel, yeah, tremendous the, guest, truly the greatest, the best. Uh, we love her to death and uh, it's a great episode. So please tune in next week. This was the this best. This was the best. This I was love the best. this podcast. You have to come back on anytime yeah. guys. Seriously. Although um, I do feel like I've like, like the director of this film, I have achieved perfection. So my first time at bat. So like, should I even come back? Should well, I just George Costanza myself out of this su- conversation? You're going to be so upset with all the reviews for this podcast. Can we? And they're like, yeah, yeah. I don't know if they're really what they're going for. Here's what I'll say though. You should come back for something like the Hall haunting where it's not a movie you love I, and then we okay, can just like great. we can just kind of I'm so down on that. Um, you're on Twitter what is your Twitter yes, handle? Yes it's at Jarrett says at Jarrett says uh, I'm at PM Iscove on uh, on Instagram and on Twitter Kenny's at, at Nybar and the show is at podcast like 1999 please rate review subscribe tell all your friends thank you for listening guys Just podcast like it's Podcast like it's night
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Acast anbefaler. Mit navn er Anders Morgenthaler. Over for mig sidder Roald Bergmann. Vi har lavet en ny podcast, der hedder Dopaminklubben. Og Dopaminklubben er en klub, hvor ADHD er fucking sjovt, og hvor det griner. Det behøver ikke at være super alvorligt. Vi skider skrætter alle de der podcast og forklarer mig nederen der. Vi gør grin med vores ADHD. Mulig ADHD. Ja, vi udreder mig, fordi nogen siger, at jeg har det. Jeg ved det ikke rigtigt, det finder vi ud af. Vi har i hvert fald lavet vedmål. Ind og lyt til Dopaminklubben. Hver uge udkommer vi. Der laver vi sjov og spas med at have den her vidunderlige dopaminmagle.